0: It. Happens, it we make happens,
1: it we make Welcome, everyone, to episode 251 of the Thumbstick Athletes Podcast. I'm your host, Dan.
2: I'm um, Will. Corey.
1: Uh no Eric this week. Eric is uh welcoming his wife down to Virginia. She's finally, I guess, finished with school and uh moved down there, so he's helping her helping her get settled and get all moved in and stuff. So uh he will be back next week, I believe, when we'll be talking about Uncharted. Uncharted was it four? Yep. Drake's fortune? Uh Thieves End. Thieves End. Drake's fortune was three, right? I don't know my my Uncharted game, so
3: Dan, this is the first one I've played, so (laughs) I'm the wrong person. (laughs) Eric
2: would be screaming at us right now.
3: Yeah, (laughs) I know nothing of the series. Would would help me a lot talking about it, and if he's not there, it's going to be interesting.
1: Yeah, I'm sure he will be, but yeah, that'll be our episode for next week. Uh, This week we are going to be covering the letter C. Um if you've listened to any of our letter based uh, episodes before we did uh A and B obviously, but we cover things in gaming, uh related to the letter A, the alphabet. It gives us a chance to cover some stuff that uh that we wouldn't get to otherwise. Um just doing a episode, uh our game based uh you know, episode. So uh and me, it allows me to delve into some history. Uh there's some pretty interesting Uh, history stuff with with some of the game developers and publishers and and you know games too so um it's very it's a it's a neat idea i'm glad corey came up with it
2: yeah and i actually forgot how much i liked doing this kind of episode yeah until you started
1: doing the research for it
2: right yeah because you start going down that rabbit hole and like you said you know we cover we cover stuff that we wouldn't cover otherwise and the way i like to do it is i'll pick something that's relatively familiar Mm mm-hmm which i did in this case and then just keep getting further down into stuff that some people may have you know never heard of uh and in fact one of the things i'm going to talk about i found literally no mention of on the internet really yeah that's awesome other other than one little article which i'll talk about nice when we get there but yeah it is it is a lot of fun just to, to explore that the historical side of of things
1: Yep. uh anyone have anything they want to tease for later on in the episode
3: uh, I mean, I played maybe three hours of Uncharted 4. I probably won't talk too much about it, though.
1: First impressions.
3: Yeah, I'll probably give my first impressions. Um, I think other than that, I didn't really play anything new.
1: Overwatch, I'm
3: sure we'll, talk, yeah. we'll be talking about. A whole lot of Overwatch.
2: Yeah. <laughs> but I also played Stellaris. Oh, nice. Yeah. Nice. So I got some, some lengthy impressions on my four hours of Stellaris that I've played
1: cool I can't wait to hear about that that's a game I was gonna buy when it came out but uh lack of funds you know I hear you but I will be getting it at some point okay uh well let's get right into our C's shall we uh we'll start with you first C
3: uh first C now the Call of Duty series is the biggest uh C game that I could find really so, and everybody knows about that, but I wanted to get into a little bit more of the, the not-known Call of Duty games. Mainly the ones that got canceled, and there was three of them that I could find. Now, one was Call of Duty Combined Forces, and I got a little bit of a description for each one. Uh, Call of Duty Combined Forces was a proposed concept draft, which was originally intended to be a sequel for the Call of Duty Finest Hour, but, however, due to legal issues that arose between Spark Unlimited, Electronic Arts, and Activision... The games drafts were never uh scripted to become a game. The game was projected to cost about 10.5 million to produce after the Finest Hour was complete. Eventually Activision deemed the ideas as more of an expansion than something entirely new causing Activision to reject the proposal and ending their contract with Spark Unlimited shortly after. No, I think Finest Hour was an expansion to the first Call of Duty, wasn't it?
1: I never played those back then.
3: I was uh, more, we, I was a Medal, we of Honor. Medal of Honor. Yeah. So,
2: I remember we played Call of Duty 2 on 360.
1: Yeah. That it was, was like the first one Was like my first Call of Duty. I played two, like 2 3 4 Call of Duties. And that
2: was just it. I just remember being blown away by the smoke grenades. Yeah. <laughs>
3: um yeah, so that I I'm trying to think we played I played Call of Duty 1 on PC like maybe around the time of Medal of Honor. But other than that, I didn't play any until 4. But that's when they got really good. So,
0: mm-hmm.
3: And the next one is Call of Duty Devil's Brigade. Uh, now, this was a canceled first-person shooter for the 360 by Underground Entertainment. This was going to be set in World War II, but it was going to be mainly, mainly focusing on the Italian campaign. Which, to be honest with you, I know nothing about the Italian campaign, so that kind of interests me. Do you know anything about the Italian campaign, Dan? Sure, Just curious. A little bit. Is it interesting as the overall of the war? Yeah, I it mean was it had, lots of spaghetti. It,
1: it had its its uh you know, its moments.
3: Hmm. Gotcha. Uh, and the last one is called to be Vietnam, which was the third person su- shooter set during the Vietnam War, was in development for at least six to eight months at Sludgehammer. But the development stopped because Infinity Warden had helped finishing Modern Warfare 3 due to the employee firings and departures of 2010.
1: That's the one I do remember.
3: Yeah, uh, they talked about it when they, because when they do, the Sledgehammer did, um, what was it, Advanced Warfare? I'm pretty mm-hmm. sure it was the title that uh, they talked about how they were working on a third-person shooter, Call of Duty, and that must have been it. And I also remember when everybody left Activision and yeah. got fired. So, yeah, that was big news because that was after uh, Modern Warfare 2 and everything like that.
0: Mm-hmm.
3: Well, that's it for me for my first batch of C's. All right. Corey, what do you got? C is for
2: Caesar. Caesar. You guys remember Caesar? The Caesar, Caesar or and... the
1: Caesar the game?
2: The, the game. The game. OK. The game Caesar. It's a franchise, actually, of, of city builder games by Impression Games. Uh, the last one came out in 2006. Caesar 4, which I'm not sure that I played, but the first one came out in 1992, which I'm pretty sure I played. If not the first one, I played the second one. Uh, but it came out. The first one came out for the Amiga, then was ported to the Atari ST, of which we owned for a yep. little while. Uh, right? Wasn't that an Atari ST? Yeah. Computer. Yep. And then the PC and Mac. So it takes place in Rome around the time of Christ's birth, which, if you know your history, you know that that was when all was hunky-dory in Rome and uh, was relatively peaceful. Rome could just pick and choose where they wanted to go take over, and that's what they did. Uh, The game is very similar to SimCity. You're building structures like libraries and schools and all that infrastructure kind of stuff, but you're also building roads and plumbing I remember, if I had this correct, uh, doing a lot with aqueducts in Caesar, like deciding where the aqueducts go. Yes. And I also remember like where you built a factory or something. Slums would rise up around it because it was low-income workers. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know. that. Those are my very, very vague recollections of those games. Uh, but I actually went back and read a review, which I'll get to a little bit later on, about the specifics of that review that I read for the game from 1992. It said the similarities between the two games, he's talking about SimCity are more striking than their differences. And the newer game could easily be mistaken as a sequel for the older favorite. So Caesar definitely took a lot of, of SimCity. Mm -hmm. Um, also in this review, I thought this was funny. Players with an AdLib or Sound Blaster compatible soundboard will be treated to isolated, though frequent, sounds of the city, water flows, factories, factory hammers, and the population conversing loudly. Nice. So make sure you got that Sound Blaster audio card.
1: They still make those, by the way. Really? Yeah, they're more for, like, high quality recording.
2: Recording, not just playback?
1: Yeah, it's, it's mostly for recording um mm. I, we would benefit from
2: one of those eh. screw it yeah temper your expectations. U- usb is is just fine for our purposes uh but included with the game is a 135 page instruction manual when was the last time you saw one of those yeah it's been a while yeah literally included every aspect of the game Taught you what you needed to know. The difference, though, between Caesar and SimCity was the addition of a military aspect. Uh, in that you created soldiers and sent them off to battle. The battles actually happened off-screen, but you handled all the logistics and expenses of of the battling. That was part of the the strategy uh, for battles, rather than the the act of the actual battle. But it's interesting because in this article I read that you can import. Your save from Caesar to this game called Cohort 2, which was just Roman battles. So you could actually play your battles in real time from Caesar in this game, Cohort 2, by importing a save. And this was way back in 1992. Huh. I thought that was really interesting.
1: Yeah, that is really cool. Like uh, Crusader Kings 2 to... uh, um... Europa Universal is four I love that yeah
2: but it it'd even be more like taking like a civilization save and taking that battle and playing it out in like a total war game uh-huh. or like uh even like the what's that medieval fPS with melee or oh, the roses
1: there's that one um
3: uh, chivalry, chivalry medieval warfare yeah yeah that stuff would be so cool that would be cool yeah
2: Uh, But that's Caesar, and the the review I read was in an old article of Computer Gaming World, which I'll talk about next. Nice.
1: Okay. Is that everything?
2: That's it. Did that game, now, did you play as Augustus during that, or? You played as Random Governor. Okay. Number two. Okay. Or whatever. I don't know. I don't think you were anybody specific. Gotcha.
1: All right, uh, my first C is Corsair. Uh, Corsair, the computer P- maker, PC gaming components, including power supplies, RAM cases, uh, the excellent H-series liquid cooler, solid-state drives fans, as well as high-end keyboards, mice, and headsets. Uh, the interesting thing I found when I was doing my research on Corsair was that the they, they're they coming out with a keyboard and mouse combo called the Lapdog, Um, it's designed for PC gaming on your couch. Uh, if you've seen, if, if anyone's seen the Razer Turret, it's similar to that. Um, it's just this little like lap board with the full keyboard and, and it's got the mouse pad on the right. It all like kind of combines into one and put, you know, goes ne- nicely into like some cupboards and not cupboards, but uh, little containers on the thing. And um, yeah, mm-hmm. they're, they're trying to take advantage of the, the PC gaming on your couch trend, which I like. Uh,
2: whoops! It's a nerdy display to have out.
1: <laughs> it's very nerdy, yeah. Uh, the thinking? the Razer turret is pretty small, so you could like stash that away. Uh, but the Lapdog looks like it's decently sized, and you wouldn't be able to like store it anywhere uh, inconspicuously. But uh, cost, I do want to get one of these things eventually, but it'll depend on the cost. The Razer turret is about a hundred and fifty bucks right now. Uh, but the company was founded as Corsair Microsystems in 1994 by Andy Paul, Don Lieberman, and John Beakley. Uh, Corsair originally developed Level 2 cache modules called cache-on-a-stick or coast modules for OEMs. Um, a- after Intel incorporated the L2 cache in the processor uh, with the release of its Pentium Pro processor family, Corsair changed its focus to RAM modules, primarily in the server market. In 2002, they began shipping uh, DRAM modules that were designed to appeal to computer enthusiasts who were using them for overclocking. I didn't realize that that sort of stuff was going on way back in 2002. No. Um, since then, Corsair uh, has continued to produce memory modules for PCs has added other PC components as well, which I talked about. Um, I currently have a cor- Corsair carbide case for my computer. Uh, keeps my stuff nice and cool. I had a cor- Corsair power supply in my computer that kicked the bucket. So I switched over to EVGA after that for my power supply. Um, but it was one of the cheap ones. I didn't expect it to last. I think it lasted me like two years mm. before I needed to get a new one. But like I said, it was just their cheap base model power supply.
2: You said Corsair does Razor, right?
1: No. No, no, no.
2: Oh, I had you confused. No,
1: uh, Corsair Sorry. the La- Corsair Lapdog is similar to the Razer Turret.
2: The, oh, gotcha. That's where Razer comes in. Okay. Yep.
1: The uh the PC gaming on your couch with keyboard and mouse uh, companies are starting to take that route with with some of their hardware.
2: So you follow this stuff pretty closely, Dan. Where does Corsair rank on the PC component echelon?
1: Um, Corsair RAM is is still some of the best. Okay. especially the corsair vengeance uh pro pro ram that's really really good ram um as far as everything else like everyone has their own you know their own stuff that they like you know it's 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 hard to tell but yeah their their ram is very highly regarded power supplies in general too like i said i didn't have any luck with their their baseline power supply um i really like my corsair carbide case it was inexpensive which is nice um and it's nice looking and 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 pretty well built so but it was only fifty bucks, which is the best part. So, you know, you can spend up to like one hundred and fifty, two hundred bucks on a on a computer case,
3: right? So,
1: yeah. Oh, oh, the liquid coolers too are very well, very highly reviewed. The H series liquid coolers. I I thought about getting one for my for my graphics card and liquid cooling my graphics
2: card. You need that though. Uh,
1: it allows for, for very heavy overclocking and it keeps the, the temperatures really low on your graphics card. Uh, that being more helpful for PC gaming than an overclocked processor, you know?
2: Gotcha. Yeah, I guess. Uh, how much is a, one of those liquid cooler things?
1: Uh, the cheapest ones are like 50 or 60 bucks. And then if you get a special bracket for it, it's another like 30 yeah, so, so you if compete. you
2: can spend that money to upgrade to what would cost you, you know, another couple hundred yeah, dollars. For a for better graphics card. Probably worth it.
1: Sure. Oh, we'll be talking graphics cards again later
2: during Nibblebits. Bits. Oh, boy. Just, just a little tease. Oh, that's right. I'm excited to hear about the new. Yeah. It's, it's the new
1: exciting news, at least for yeah. me.
2: It's been a while, right? Didn't they skip a year?
1: Yeah, it's been two years, I think, when, since they launched the 900 series cards. Okay. So. It has been a while. Excellent. Yeah. So that's Corsair. Will, what do you
3: got? Well, Dan, I've got Chuck E. Cheese sports games. (laughs) Now I'm going to read you off the the features. By the way, if you were to guess what console this was for, what would you guess?
1: Sega Dreamcast.
3: No, think more recent.
2: Um... Come on, Dan. Chuck E. Cheese sports. I only know the answer because I called up the YouTube video.
1: I have haven't the foggiest.
3: Come on, Dan. <laughs> you know it without knowing it. You did. You subconsciously know it. Engage. <laughs> I'm just gonna say, uh, Nintendo Wii.
1: Oh, of course. Yeah. <laughs> no, you're right. I should have known longest. that. I should have known that.
3: As soon as I read the title, I'm like, "Ah, uh, this is a Wii game. A Wii game. Wii exclusive." Sure enough. I'm going to read some of the features it has. Avatar creation. Choose from six unique avatars and see how their story pans out. So there's story in this game. Shut
2: up. I'm really into the Chuck E. Cheese lore, so (laughs) I got to
3: get this. This might be a hidden gem that we never played. Could be. Um, Perfect fun for the whole family. Enjoy more than 18 game variations starring Chuck E. Cheese and his (laughs) international group of friends. Extended replayability, with over 50 prizes to earn, new games to discover, and an online leaderboard to, leaderboard to spur competition and repeated play. This title contains hours of excitement. Huh. <laughs> nice. Uh, the selling points are amazing on this. An ease of use. Some gameplay mechanics with low learning curve that mimic the game at the retail Chuck E. Cheese locations will have your family playing in no time. Use the Wii-enabled controls to whack-a-munch. Shoot some hoops and make pizzas and so much more. hmm I'm watching a video of uh,
2: Chuck E. Cheese playing baseball, and it, it looks f- just like Wii Sports Baseball.
3: It does, but just with way poorer graphics. Yeah, Poor this graphics, game, huh? <laughs> I wonder how much game or how much this game costs to look. You could probably get it from GameStop for like sixty bucks. Uh, alright so the cheapest that I'm finding on Amazon is $35 wow so used in good condition the most expensive what? and very good condition is 113
1: wow what are some of the reviews what, what's what's the review score
3: well it's running at a 4 star for 26 really? reviews this is on Amazon fun game fun game a good game for young kids a bit overpriced that person gets it <laughs> Yep. Another one is just Chuck E cheese. This game saved my life.
1: <laughs> that that's a troll.
3: Yeah. Uh yeah, that's the the, the lowest is a three star, so. This game's alright then. Hey, here's a fun fact. What's that? Do you guys know what the E stands
2: for in Chuck E cheese? Um
3: Ecstasy. everyone.
2: Ecstasy? So what you said, Dan? <laughs> yeah. Entertainment. Chuck Entertainment Cheese.
0: Huh. Yeah.
2: (laughs) It's dumb. Don't
1: ever let Uh, your kids play in the ball pit in Chuck E. Cheese.
2: No. I've heard horror
1: stories of some of the stuff they find at the bottom of those things.
2: Did you also know that he is now a mouse, and prior to 1995, he was a rat?
1: I mean, it makes more sense to have him be a mouse instead of a rat.
2: Yeah. Does it? (sighs) Sure. Have Have you been to a Chuck E. Cheese in the last <laughs> decade, Dan?
1: <laughs> no, but for marketing purposes, it's probably easier to market Chuck E. Cheese as a mouse instead of a rat.
3: Fair. Enough. Yeah, because when I think of rats, I think of the Black Plague. When yeah. I think of a mouse, I just <laughs> think of a knowing house rodent. Yeah. Quick, quick side note for uh, rats and the Black Plague. Uh, <laughs> I was
2: cleaning out. We have this fountain at work. And as a groundskeeper, it is my job to take care of. Now it is. Uh, It was part of another building that wasn't under our control until the last week or so. But that's a whole other side story. But there's this fountain with a little pond in it. And uh, I I was told I needed to clean it out because it was disgusting. So I went to clean it out, and there's this big lump of something floating in the water. And I was, like, paddling around the water trying to bring it closer to me so I could pull it out. And uh, I looked and it looked furry and I was like this isn't good so I took a board and picked it up out of the water with the board and immediately just the worst stench oh. of roadkill oh. and sure enough it was a giant rat that was floating in this little itty bitty pond gross. with this fountain in it oh, that's gross
1: <laughs> you just want to dump bleach in it oh it's oh, disgusting
2: <laughs> but uh, you know my hands touched the water so I'm just waiting to find out that i have the, the plague. plague yeah be one it's of out. the how many cases a year of bubonic plague it's, it's not like very two, many something like that not very is many. it curable now yeah well right. as long as
3: they catch it which we're never yeah. go to the hospital so yeah exactly oh well, Corey. see you enjoy guys? enjoy <laughs> it's my final podcast <laughs> That's it for uh, Chuck E. Cheese that I got, Dan.
2: All right. Corey, number two. Number two, Computer Gaming World. So I read the review for Caesar, which was written by Alan Greenberg, titled All Code Leads to Rome. And this was in issue 107 of Computer Gaming World magazine. The magazine itself was founded by Russell Sipe. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that correctly. But fun fact, he gave up on his studies to be a Baptist minister to start Computer Gaming World. He had no publishing experience, just loved games, and realized that there was no publication specifically covering computer games. So he's like, I'll do that. Uh, The first issue came out in November of 1981. Wow. It survived the video game crash of 1983, which... Uh, according to Wikipedia, 18 other color PC gaming magazines did not, in computer gaming world, was the only one that did survive. Uh, and just about the video game crash, which, which would have been another good one to do, because I guess you could kind of use crash.
1: Crash, yeah. Um,
2: is that. But uh, in 1983, so revenues of the video game industry in 1983 were $3.2 and after the crash, in nineteen eighty five, revenues were only a hundred million, wow. which is a ninety seven percent drop. That's crazy. In revenues. That is insane. The main cause was saturation. There were too many yep. different platforms, uh hardware, and way too many bad games. Yep.
1: A lot of really um, bad first par um not first party titles. Uh licensed. A lot of right. really bad licensed titles, especially
2: rushed out yep. bad yep. badly licensed. i don't think that could ever happen again uh only because
1: no. there's too like, many choices now like i think people would you know that they, they, there's too much information too like people yeah. generally don't buy the really bad garbage because they've known about it for a while you know
2: exactly that's exactly what i was gonna say it's not like the old days where you walk into a store and you're like oh, this cover looks nice. Yeah. Oh, they have a good quote on the back. The game must be good. Like, no, nowadays you, you kind of know. Yeah. Um, even if you go into, like, the app store and see what's popular. Yeah. It's gener- generally popular for a reason.
3: Right. mm mm-hmm.
2: uh, The magazine was sold to Ziff Davis, who we all know and love, in 1993, and it continued to grow until the Internet became a thing and was ubiquitous. Uh, everywhere and then from there it sort of declined and the last issue was in november of 2006 at which point the magazine was rebranded games for windows the official magazine huh. which is no longer around and that was based off the games for windows live branding kind of thing so. oh wow
1: which also didn't survive
2: <laughs> yeah no it did not uh but After that, Ziff Davis was kind enough to put the Computer Gaming World archive online, which included the first 100 issues of the magazine, spanning 11 years, all in searchable PDF format. Awesome. Which is really nice. Uh, But Ziff Davis has since taken that archive down. But you can now access every issue of Computer Gaming World at cgwmuseum.org, which is where I read issue 107. Uh, which was from June of ninety three, one hundred and sixty four pages in that magazine, and wow. I actually read a little fun fact that Computer Gaming World it was chock full. It was a huge magazine, and their biggest one was five hundred pages. Holy crap! For a monthly magazine, wow about computer games. Uh, so yeah, issue one hundred seven. Uh, the one I I read through quickly. Hellcab was on the cover. I never heard of Hellcab. You guys? No. No? Nah. Okay. Uh, the first ad on the first page that you open up to is for a game called Spear of Destiny, a Wolfenstein 3D graphic adventure.
0: Hmm.
2: Cool. I don't know.
1: <laughs> <laughs> the, the Spear of Destiny was um, supposedly the spear that the Roman soldier used to uh, stab Christ when he was on the... When he's being crucified that's what the spirit of destiny is interesting and the nazis the nazis were interested in in finding relics like that um so that could be what what the relation to wolfenstein is
2: that would make sense yeah. oh yeah good dan dropping knowledge on us you know some of the other issues uh features in the issue x-wing the oh titled x-wing yeah. takes flight uh how to win at space word ho I don't, know, I don't know. I don't know what that is. Uh, but they also had a, and this was advertised on the cover, a special sports game section in this issue, which led me to find a little game called C C C Challenge Cup Hockey, Ooh. which I will talk about a little bit later on. Nice. Okay. Good
1: stuff. All right. Uh, my next one is CD Projekt Red. Uh, they are obviously the creators of the Witcher series of video games and the DRM free game service, GOG.com. CD Projekt Red was founded in 1994 by Marcin Owinski and Mikhail Kaczynski. I'm not sure if I'm pronouncing those right, but uh, they started with $2,000 and a rent-free flat they borrowed from a friend. Cool. How about that? That's how uh, I want
2: to start everything.
1: Absolutely. Same. Well, with less than $2000 though, 200. Yeah. Uh Owinski and K- and Kaczynski both enjoyed games as children, but games were hard to come by uh in Poland due to being under the influence of the Soviet Union. Uh as younger men, they both sold cracked copies of western games in Polish marketplaces. Uh so when they formed CD Projekt Red, they wanted to legitimize the video game uh market in in Poland so uh they so they imported and and localized uh, western games legally
2: um, yeah or just to, like yeah. on their own no kinda...
1: legally uh they specifically worked with BioWare and Interplay to import and localize Baldur's Gate which ended up being quite successful mm. uh for them uh, i think it was like eight, they sold 18,000 copies on the first day which was a huge success wow. back then yeah i'll uh, say They continued to work with Interplay on a PC port of Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance, but Interplay's financial troubles led to the cancellation of the the project. Uh, The scrap code from Baldur's Gate Dark Alliance, though, uh, through some stops and starts and reorganizations, eventually ended up helping in the development of 2007's The Witcher. So, the rest rest is history.
2: That's crazy, to go from pirate salesman to... (laughs) creating the Witcher.
1: Yeah, that was really interesting to me. Uh, you know, you don't think about that sort of thing, but yeah, the you know, after the Soviet Union collapsed, like those all the the satellite states of the Soviet Union were like they're on their own, you know, and it took a while for for the market to to finally like write itself, you know. Um and it said something like they didn't have any uh intellectual property rights or anything like that in Poland, so people were just pirating games like crazy and selling them on on the streets, and in marketplaces, and that was how that was how the Polish got their games back in the day.
3: That's so cool. That's yeah. crazy! Wow.
2: Yep. Then you watch. I'm, I got footage of The Witcher Three playing in the chat. I don't know. Nice. It's just It's so funny. What What year around was that before they when they started? Did uh, you
1: CD. Get that? I no. It CD Project Red started in 1994, so I guess it was okay. at some point before that. Probably gotcha. in the late late or, or early nineties, late eighties, early nineties. The Soviet Union fell in eighty nine? Eighty eight?
2: Your guess is better than mine. Yeah, I don't know. I thought like it was eighty eight. Late- I
1: feel like it was the late eighties when it finally fully collapsed.
2: It's also so, interesting, like, are there other Eastern European game companies that have like cracked the international market?
1: Um the think of developers of the Metro series are from the Ukraine.
2: Oh that's right, yeah.
1: But I think that's they wrong. relocated. Because of the the civil unrest in the Ukraine.
2: Why do I want to say like Amsterdam or something like that?
1: Yeah, it might be.
3: Uh, I've got I a say, game developer developer that's uh, from a different country that put out games that we know. What's that? Cauldron. Cauldron? Yep. It is a Slovak video game developer uh, located in uh, Bratislav, Slovakia. Uh, The studio was founded in 1996 with their first project, Quadrex, being released in the same year. Uh, And according to the official website, they currently have 25 employees working for them. But in 2014, Bohemia Interactive purchased uh, Cauldron Studios, whose 25 developers are now added to the Daisy development team. Uh Now, the game that they put out that we all know is another C, Cabela Big Game Hunter. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) All right. Now, I'm not going to get into details about Cabela because there's like six games of them. There's a bunch. And it's all the same. You're just killing big animals. And I'm pretty sure for the bees, I talked at length about Big Buck Hunter. (laughs) So So if you're interested in the review of Cabela, go to Bee and listen to Big Buck Hunter.
1: Bohemia does uh, Arma too, right? Yep. The Arma series. Those are very well-respected combat first-person shooter games. Oh, that's right. They didn't.
3: Did they buy Daisy? They or what's his face? Dean Dean Hall Hall. sold it to them. Okay, that's what I thought. And because he realized the game got bigger than what he could do. Yep. So, Dan, before we uh, move on too far from that, sure.
2: The 4A Games, the developer of Metro. Yeah. Uh, they're operating in Kiev, Ukraine. Okay. So they're. But they also opened a new studio in Malta.
1: Oh! Oh, nice. Yeah. That would be the place to go.
2: I guess, yeah. So are
3: they I, okay?
1: Yeah, I think what they did is I think they wanted it they moved out, like, a lot of their people out of Kiev when uh, when it was really messy there it was two years
2: ago or whatever. Yes, I think 2014. So yeah. Date, yeah. Okay.
1: Cool.
3: Yeah, uh, that was it for my see there, Dan. Cauldron. Right. Cauldron. cauldron.
1: Cool. What do you got next, Corey?
2: So, as I mentioned, challenge, uh, CC Challenge Cup Hockey, which is a text-based Text hockey based game. Text-based hockey game. Nice. Uh, so, I, as I mentioned, I was reading this in issue 107 of Computer Gaming World. And this is the game I said at the top of the episode I found literally no mention of on the internet. Uh, other than
1: That this, article.
2: Yep. In this uh, archived PDF of Computer Gaming World. So the review in that issue was by Joe Scherfie, who I thought this was inter- interesting. Started talk, started by talking about how the NHL has a hard time conveying the action, uh, like beauty and and drama of hockey on TV, which I think is still somewhat true. Yeah. Definitely. Um, we always recommend if you're the least bit interested in hockey, go to go a to game. an don't, arena. Yeah. Yeah. Don't watch it on TV because it's a, a huge difference. Yep. Um, and he continued to compare that to video games and how putting it on a monitor which at the time much smaller than TVs uh is even harder yeah you know than just trying to put it on a TV so he said the solution is to stick to the stats and don't bother with the action that's what I like kinda, to hear oh yeah it's also kind of interesting because there are still hockey managing game yeah. management sims Eastside
1: hockey manager i just and, got the i just got the new one not that long yeah, ago I,
3: yeah, I bought it for 5 bucks today, actually. Yeah,
1: I got it as part of the Sega Strategy Humble Bundle.
3: There you go. Uh, so
2: Challenge Cup Hockey makes you the front office manager and coach, just like our modern hockey sims. Uh, but it is text-based, so keep that in mind. The main menu options are to play a game, review stats, set up a league, schedule league games, and access and edit player data. Uh, once you start Whatever, you choose a team, and the article specifically mentioned Tampa, Anaheim, and Ottawa, which are, in, are in fact, included. Uh, those were the new expansion teams that year. Wow. So that's why they specifically mentioned that, which I thought was kind of funny. Um, before you start the game, you review your lineup and shuffle the lines as you see fit, uh, which is something we see in all hockey games these days. And the goal is to get your team to play up to its potential, which... He made another joke here uh, saying that hopefully in the Sharks' case, you can <laughs> make the team live up to beyond its potential because I guess the Sharks were really bad that year.
0: Huh.
2: Uh, and from there, it's from what I understand in his description, it's kind of like watching a crude version of the uh, the NHL's live stat tracker thing where it shows shots and, and all that stuff. But it's all in ASCII. It's all text-based. So you see your players, but they're just little figures Um, and the actual text reads out like a radio announcer describing the action like oh there's a big hit at center ice and you know oh there's a shot on goal and you just read that text Uh, but you decide the the actual gameplay part of it is you decide when to send in a fresh line uh, change your goalie all that kind of stuff but you can also alter the style of play on the fly and your options there are normal offensive defensive and physical so that's what you do in cc challenge cup hockey uh but one thing that really killed me was at the very end of the review there was a footnote uh that basically said that there was an updated version of the game that was released after the magazine went to print Uh, and it included a short little blurb about what the updates were to the game but then the last line reads quote for more information on the update the designer can be reached at the phone number above.
0: <laughs> yeah.
2: <laughs> and there is. For for every game they talk about in computer gaming world, back in the day, there's call, a little box. Call it says hotline. the cost, cost of the game, the developer, the publisher's name, their address, and phone number. And oh. they, like, encourage you to call.
1: <laughs> we really had to rough it back in the day, you know?
2: <laughs> I mean, is that roughing it? Or could I just, like, call Blizzard and say, Yo, man! Overwatch is causing me fits. <laughs> I need some, yeah, I need like, some tips. Yeah, you probably tips.
1: could. That would be interesting. At the very that least, would be interesting.
2: But yeah, uh, again, I found literally no mention of it on the internet anywhere, and it just kind of hit home that like it's important to preserve. And yeah. it's great that they preserved all those issues of computer gaming world Absolutely. because that game would be forgotten to time.
0: Yeah,
2: you know, other than people that remember playing it. Yeah,
1: the handful of people.
3: Yeah, we immortalized it. Can we get our hands on a copy?
2: I was wondering that. I don't know. Maybe I could dig it up somehow and see where who owns the IP for Challenge Cup Hockey, and maybe you know send out some tweets or something like that.
1: That's something. That's one of the games that should go on GOG. They should just put as many old games as they can find up, if they you know if they if there's any way of getting them up.
2: Yeah, I mean there should be. I think there is like a video game archive kind of thing, isn't there? yeah but it should be something that's like totally open and free to you like you can download the source code and the yeah. you know the game itself and you with can get it. it to run and and all that stuff like full open source access to all this I'm stuff sure. that'd be really interesting that'd be awesome but that was also the uh, the golden age of hockey in my opinion was uh, early, early, early 90s. 90s sure the Gretzky days yeah and when the Rangers won a cup. Uh,
3: huh. We're far from that. Yeah.
2: <laughs> okay.
1: Uh, my last one. I only got three this time. Uh, Crusader Kings series. Ooh. Developed by and published by Paradox. It is a medieval real-time strategy games where the goal is to build a dynasty instead of a kingdom. That was a important distinction that the Crusader Kings did. It was more about... Uh, preserving your lineage than it was building a kingdom. You could go through the entire game from the very beginning, which, uh, at least in the original Crusader Kings 2, was 1066 to 1453. Uh, as long as you could prefer, pre- preserve your family line, even if you were just a lowly baron, you could quote-unquote complete the game. Um, which is cool. Uh, you know, you could uh, lay low the entire the entire course of for, you know, almost 400 years. Uh, the original. Like Switzerland. What's that?
3: You could be like Switzerland and be neutral. Be
1: neutral, yeah. Uh, the original <laughs> Crusader Kings was released in September of 2004. Crusader Kings 2 in February of 2012. Uh, and yeah, the game ends when a player dies with no heirs or when the year turns 1453. Uh, I've spent well over 200 hours playing Crusader Kings 2. Uh, and I love it to death Did For... that crack
2: your top games list,
1: I think so. I think it did. I think it was in the top ten, okay, if I remember correctly um but yeah i you know it's it's different too in 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 the real time strategy uh it's not fast paced like a like Age of Empires or like a StarCraft or something like that. It's very slow paced, you know, you're in it for the long game. Uh you can speed up and slow down time as as much as you want or pause the game to to make moves. Like, you know, I would I would have things go relatively quickly until you started a war with somebody. Um then you slow things down so you can, you know, keep track of unit, troop movements and stuff.
2: Oh, it is real time. Yeah, it's real time. Gotcha. Okay. I always thought it was turn based. Yeah. You played it, didn't you? A little bit. Yeah, I couldn't I couldn't crack the nut oh, in this time. I wasn't willing to give it what it needed for me to, to enjoy it.
1: I can totally understand why. I actually had to look up uh, beginner tips. to, Because f- par- part of the reason was I started in, like, Eastern Europe. Um, and, you know, you're surrounded by hostile enemies not knowing how to play the game. Uh, it wasn't until I read... The-, the best tip I read for Crusader Kings 2 was to start as one of the Irish... Um, one of the little Irish, uh, I guess, duchies, maybe. Um, and, and to go from there, cause you're kind of isolated. Uh, you don't have to worry about England at the time because they're being invaded by Norway. So they're busy fighting off, um, you know, Norway to, to not, not bother Ireland at all. Uh, you can kind of, kind of learn the game. Uh, and my goal, at least initially was to take over all of Ireland and form, form the kingdom of Ireland. Uh, which I did. Uh and then in my longest game that I actually carried into Europa Universalist 4, um I formed the, the uh you know from Ireland from I think I started in I don't know. One of the one of the southern parts of Ireland. I, I took over all of Britain and formed the Empire of Britannia. I took over parts of Scandinavia and parts uh, I took over uh Brittany in France. Um <laughs> And then that was the game that I, I continued into Europa Universalist 4, and I took over most of
2: North America, too. Oh, wow. Yeah, it's pretty Impressive. cool. Yeah. Wait, who starts in North America?
1: That was in Europa, Europa Universalist 4.
2: Oh, so it was the that Americas. Was at,
1: that yeah, that was after. Gotcha. Um, but the entire time I was plagued by the Carpathian Empire, who we had just constant warfare with. They were They were my absolute... Worst enemy, hated enemy. Yeah, we fought all of Crusader Kings two. We fought all of Europa universalist four. It was brutal. But man, now, what a great game!
3: What what paradox game is it? It's the World War Two one. Hearts of Iron. Hearts of Iron is that out yet?
1: No, Hearts of Iron four I think is coming out the beginning of June.
3: Okay, if
1: I remember correctly, that's what I'm going to get to.
3: I kind of want to play that one. Yeah.
1: I have Hearts of Iron two and three. I know I at least have three.
3: Oh really? I just okay. never
1: I never got around to playing it, but I, I do wanna I'm I'm definitely gonna play four. Gotcha. Yeah. But
2: good stuff. We'll be talking a little more paradox later on because uh, like yep. I said I
3: I played some Stolaris.
1: So. Yep. Alright, well, next C.
3: Eh, I mean, do you guys want to hear about cake media or nah? Yeah, yeah of course. Okay, Cake Mania is the name of a series of cooking and time management video games published by Sandlot Games in 2006. Uh, There's a Wii version. Go figure, (laughs) the Wii. (laughs) Really bringing in the third-party titles. Uh, Called Cake Mania in the Mix. So the plot of this game is Jill Evans, who has, inspired by her baker grandparents, developed a love for pastry cooking, and went to culinary school. When Jill comes back from culinary school, she finds her grandparents' bakery, Evans Bakery, closed. Jill decides to open her own bakery and work her way up the business ladder so she can buy back her grandparents' bakery. She also learns how to deal with some very tricky customers along the way. In Cook Mania, back to the bakery, Jill tries to win her grandparents a Hawaiian cruise vacation while (laughs) renovating the bakery. In Cake Mania 3, Jill is about to get married. (laughs) But it gets sent back in time to different periods, including prehistoric dinosaur times. What? In ancient China.
2: Does she make prehistoric prehistoric dinosaur cakes?
3: I have no idea.
2: From dinosaur eggs?
3: There is a clarification needed next to that part on the Wikipedia. <laughs> that
2: might just be a troll. <laughs>
3: Is Cake Mania Three even? I'm gonna look up Cake Mania Three because that might be the most interesting one. Mm.
1: Yeah, that's where that's where the game developers that's where they spent all their money on booze and strippers.
2: <laughs> there was went for it. <laughs> there was another one of those that went out. Somebody's Kickstarter. The guy spent all his money on a house. Oh, really? Yeah. Sure. Forget the the game,
3: but so. I looked up Cake Mania 3, and I see a picture of what appears to be Jill Evans cooking for some Chinese. Who is Jill Evans? the She's protagonist. The protagonist. Of the Cake Mania series. Is she based
2: on a real person? Like, is there Jill Evans cooking on the HGN or something?
3: Well, Google will tell us this. Jill. I'd play, uh, like, a Julia Child cooking game. Um, Jill game? Evans is a member of Parliament. Uh, I mean, probably yeah, no. that's
1: just co- a common name
3: is it julia child bon appetit
2: is this a movie question no it's a person a famous cook the art oh. of french cooking a bon appetit remember she used butter and everything you wouldn't know you're too young
3: no <laughs> <laughs> the only thing i got out of that is bon appetit
0: bon appetit
3: <laughs> Um, that's, that's, that's all the interesting stuff for Cake Mania. It's basically like you're uh, you fill out orders for those tricky customers. The, game. the
1: series really took a turn in the third game, huh?
3: <laughs> to be honest with you, I didn't read that description until I, <laughs> just now. So, that was pretty, that was pretty crazy. Yeah, nice. I might add that on my backlog. Yeah. Okay,
1: what do you got next, Corey?
3: That's it. I just had those three.
1: Nice. What do you got, Will?
3: That's uh, all I had. I had four. Oh, beautiful.
1: So we're all set with the main segment, huh? All right. Yeah. Shall, we, shall we get into nibble bits? Sure. All right. Let's do it, uh, Corey. What do you got for nibble bits?
2: Let's see here. Nintendo's Fire Emblem and Animal Crossing will be free to start, according to DNA's. See, I've been I've been studying Japanese a little bit, uh, so I'm going to try to pronounce his name. DNA's CEO Isao Isao Moriyasu. Mm-hmm. That sounded good. Does that uh, sound good? Yeah. Okay. Uh, no additional details at the moment. But I wanted to ask you guys, what does that look like? A free to start Fire Emblem? Maybe free like to start Animal Crossing.
1: The first three chapters of a Fire Emblem game you can play for free, and then maybe you have to buy the other ones after that.
2: I wish it were that. But uh, my fear is that it's something a little bit more sinister, more perverse. Like, well, the the big speculation is that if your character dies, you, you know, perma death is bring a thing them back unless you spend two dollars. Yeah, and they come back.
3: Um, I do know that on Nintendo's like most recent earnings thing, that Fire Emblem has been bumped up to from a secondary like series to a core series uh, for Nintendo. So they're going to be doing anything with that series to, like, I guess, cash in some mm. more. So who knows? I mean, I hope it's not like that. I hope it's kind of like just like a Fire Emblem light game. Yeah. Like, uh, it, 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 this is hopeful thinking, but like a whole new Fire Emblem experience, but like really just dumbed down.
2: Yeah. So I'm thinking maybe like it's type of thing like relationships are big in Fire Emblem, right? Building yeah. relationships with certain characters. Maybe, you know, you spend some some real-world money to get some in-game items that you give for gifts to increase your relationship with a certain
3: other person. Well, like like in the uh the new ones, you can give accessories to your uh your part of your army and that boosts relationship with them. Like maybe it's something like that. Yeah. I, could, I would uh, I would be okay with
2: like a fatigue meter. Like your characters have some sort of fatigue and they can't go into battle unless that fatigue has recharged or something. I think something like that would work pretty well in Fire Emblem. It would because I could easily, you know, if it's on my phone I could easily just put it down and wait for that fatigue meter to recharge.
1: Sure. The only or way you, the only way they can do this without it feeling dirty is by paying like, you know,
2: per episode. Yeah,
1: per chapter or whatever.
2: I don't think they will. I don't think so either. Just based on what we've seen Scary. In, in the other ones, you know, the Pokemon Shuffles and the Mitomo. I don't think we're going to get that.
3: Yeah, and I don't even want to begin to think what will happen with Animal Crossing. That might be worse. I haven't played enough Animal Crossing to speculate.
1: Yeah, I don't know how that would work because I haven't played any Animal Crossing either
3: well because that's like a building game like you can farm for resources and stuff like that like so i could see like a i don't know like your town your normal town builder game but like you can spend some money to speed up the building or i know animal crossing is big on time
0: yeah
2: mm-hmm. uh spend some money to stop time you know cuz only certain yeah. items are available at a certain time like i think even even one day out of the year kind of thing like you can get a certain item yeah I don't know we shall see yeah it'll be interesting to find out what they do I mean I'm gonna play them regardless but I don't think I've ever spent money on a free to play game
1: I spent a little money on uh, Fallout Shelter but it wasn't actual money it was free Google Play credit that Mm -hmm. I earned
2: and that was just for science yeah
1: yeah i wanted to get a full you know the full enjoyment i possibly could out of the three or four days that i played it
0: yeah
2: i don't blame you uh speaking of nintendo the 2ds will receive a 20 dollars price cut to bring it down to 80 dollars, uh, and that will happen on may 20th so do not buy a nintendo 2ds nope in the next nine days as of the recording of this podcast uh and also a lot of them come with mario kart 7 so that's a pretty Ooh. good that's a good deal retailing for 40 bucks these days it's
1: probably at least 30 still
2: yeah so i mean you're getting a 2ds for 50 bucks you know yeah if you include that mario kart 7 excuse me deduction which is a really good price and it's a good way to play some 3ds games that you haven't been able to like fire emblem yep
1: there's a lot of good ones
2: indeed Microsoft has launched a number of improvements to its universal Windows platform. We didn't talk about this last week, did we? No. Okay. I just wanted to make sure. Uh and Dan, you got to help me out with this because they added support for things I don't know what they mean. Mm-hmm. FreeSync, G-Sync, and unlocked frame rates, which I okay. know what the last one is, but the other two I'm not sure.
1: Okay, so G-Sync is Nvidia's uh uh synchronization the video card with or the game that you're playing with the monitor refresh rate. Uh-huh. So you don't see any duplicate frames. Oh, so right. okay. that's the one, you know, if you put it on unlocked frame rate and, you know, your game varies from, like, 50 frames per second to 80 frames per second, you still won't see any repeat frames. It'll it'll be smooth throughout. Uh, and then FreeSync is just AMD's version of G-Sync. Why don't they just use the same word? I don't know. It's, it's different. Uh, FreeSync is actually open source, too, so, like, anyone could put FreeSync... Um, or build, how is it, build FreeSync monitors or whatever. Anyone, anyone or, can use it. Like build that like option into their games? The, the Intel HD series uh, integrated graphics could use AMD's FreeSync if they wanted. Gotcha. Um, so but, it's V-Sync. V-Sync is uh, the synchronization with your monitor, with your monitors uh, native uh, refresh rate. Okay. So like I, I turn V Sync on on my games a lot of times to because it helps eliminate tearing. So it it'll lock games at sixty frames per second.
2: Because gotcha.
1: a lot of times I'll get tearing if I don't have V Sync on and I can't stand tearing.
2: Mm. You get a lot of tearing.
1: Yeah. Try V Sync. I should but try V Sync. But you gotta make sure that your your uh graphics card, your your game stays like above sixty. Even if it's just slightly above sixty. Some dips aren't bad, but it still annoys me a little bit.
2: I don't believe I've had enough. I don't I don't uh monitor my frames per second. And I'm pretty sure most games I play don't consistently run at sixty.
1: Yeah. Some are uh, worse than others with with I'm uh f- repeat frames. Okay. Like it's I so, uh
3: so foreign to me.
1: I uh Dark Souls three. Um got kind of bad with some of the some of the frame rate dips but like tomb raider rise of the tomb raider even when i had dips like it wasn't very bad and they were barely noticeable it just depends on the game okay
2: interesting yeah but uh that's at least a step in the right direction for yeah windows games i mean i know we talked about quantum break being a mess on pc um And I do. I still still like the idea of Xbox games coming to PC, but uh, people seem really upset about the way they restricted the graphical options. So this sounds like a step in the right direction.
1: Not just that, Uh, but like overlays and stuff you can't use. Like Fraps is a popular frame rate thing, and that people use to record. And I'm pretty sure you can't use that uh, when you're playing games from the Windows Store.
2: So, well, hopefully they continue and, and continue on with this sort of stuff and no
1: hopefully they just put their damn games on steam
2: yeah good luck with that i know
1: they would make so much more money if they just put their games on steam you're talking about steam having 130 million users or whatever i know there's a lot of people using windows 10 but like i downloaded the new forza the new free-to-play forza yeah i haven't played it yet but that was like the first time i had been in the windows store for anything yeah i'm with you and you know i'm someone that's familiar with that sort of stuff and i just avoid it
2: they're probably trying to think long term though for this stuff and yeah like putting the game on steam would net them a a good amount of money right now but maybe they're maybe they have a long play i'm sure they do that probably won't ever pan out anyway so probably (laughs) not throw in the towel now look how well games for windows live worked out
1: you could have it both ways i mean just ubisoft puts games on steam and games on their own client you still have to use their own client but it could be yeah it could be they can
2: be purchased through steam yeah
1: exactly it could be the same type of situation
2: masquerade is a a steam game that launches a separate executable (laughs) yep
1: separate uh client Eh,
2: it's not a bad idea they can they have their cake and eat it too yep disney shut down disney infinity and closed avalanche software i was surprised by this
1: yeah that surprised me too
2: um so according to an internal memo that was sent to employees quote despite disney infinity's quality it has become difficult to financially justify continued investment given the lack of growth in the toys to life market coupled with high development costs the economics of our current vertical business model no longer add up oh huh i was under the impression that toys to life was a big big market
1: Maybe not for Disney.
2: I guess. I mean, I don't know. The Skylander seems... Activision and Skylander seem to be doing just fine. Yeah. Uh, the Nintendo... Uh, Amiibo. Amiibos Amiibo. seem to be doing extremely well. Yeah. Uh, so I kind of found myself asking why. You know, why why shut it down? I thought that sales were relatively good. I could be wrong. The yeah. reception was decent. But I guess the biggest complaint is like the gameplay in those games are just not good compared to the other ones. Sure, but that seems easily remedied.
1: Yeah, spend a little more money on development. Yeah, make a
2: better game. I mean, you've got you've got all these toys out in the market. Continue to utilize them the way Skylanders does and Amiibos and yeah. I mean, I don't know. It seemed it seemed a little crazy to me, but.
1: The thing I preferred about Skylanders was the creativity of the the characters and stuff. You know, it reminds me a little bit of Pokemon. Like, every new version has a bunch of new characters. Um, And I think, like, if the whole Star Wars thing didn't quite, you know, if it didn't quite make them the amount of money that they wanted, you know, Star Wars being one of the most uh, iconic, uh, you know, uh, pop culture icons there is, uh, you know, if if that didn't make them the kind of money they want, they probably thought, you know, well, this is kind of hopeless.
2: Yeah, I, I don't know. I mean, that's coming from 65 year old you versus <laughs> kids, you know, kids love Frozen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, at the same time, like, what's the crossover on the kids that love Frozen that are going to be sitting down and playing Disney Infinity?
2: that's another part of it. Like it, it does that crossover even exist.
1: Right. Or you would get, you, you know, a couple of your favorite characters and, and that's it, you know, yep. like I know with, uh, with Skylanders too, they, they make it so for every version of the game, you have to, in order to unlock everything and see everything, you have to have a certain amount of new characters. Yeah. Um, and new, new in this case for the, for last year's version, it was, you know, vehicles. There's three different, you know, land, sea and air vehicles. You had to have at least one of each to, to be able to access everything. So,
2: I honestly think they would would have been better off digging into the Disney well and bringing back like Looney Tunes characters that speak to our generation a little bit more.
1: Looney Tunes Thanks. isn't Disney; it's Warner, yes. Warner Brothers.
3: Yeah, it is Warner Brothers. I'm pretty sure. Was it always?
1: Are you talking about like Donald Duck? That's not. Yeah, Looney. maybe that's, that's a better example. That's not, yeah, that's just, not Looney Tunes.
2: Just having confused.
1: Looney but... Tunes is Warner Brothers.
2: Yeah, like uh, like our generation's appreciation for for Disney characters. Yeah,
1: I mean they had like the Pirates of the Caribbean characters, like Captain Jack Sparrow, uh, which you know that's a that's a decent one, stuff like that. I mean, you couldn't really get the Mighty Ducks characters on the Disney Infinity toys. You know? <laughs> <That would laughs> Why be, not? That would be something from our our era.
2: Or how about like Herb Brooks from the movie Miracle? <laughs> exactly. That'd be all right.
1: Yeah. Again.
2: <laughs> the Herb Brooks Simulator. Yeah. You just tap a button to say it again.
3: <laughs> yeah. Can we make that game? Yes. That sounds fun. I feel like we could. We could definitely make that game. Well, there was just...
1: the there was the meme with the the shootout with Oshi uh when he kept going out again you know when he he went <laughs> how many times did he go out uh, but it's it like was like six i think wasn't it yeah it was something yeah, yeah. like that but it was her brooks you know saying again and then oshi going to score a goal and then her oh, brooks saying again and oshi going out and scoring
3: a goal what a classic yeah. it was yeah. a picture of oshi's face looking tired kind of yeah. again her brooks like the next picture was again of Herb yeah. brooks just looking yep. and then it's oshi skating with the puck again <laughs> If if you don't know what
2: we're talking about, it was the So Sochi, yeah
3: yeah, yeah.
2: Sochi Olympics. Uh, Tj Oshi, American hockey player, playing the Russians went to whatever overtime into a shootout, and Oshi repeatedly shot for the Americans and single handedly beat the Russians.
1: Yeah, I think what how how the shootouts in international work is you have a overtime period, and then you go into the shootout and you pick five players to go in your shootout, and after all five go once, then you can have whoever you want. Of those five players, go again. Yeah, so, uh, Oshi being the best shootout guy that we had went repeatedly, like like Corey yeah. said, five or six times, maybe, maybe more.
2: Good stuff. Yeah, I'm glad uh, Oshi will be immortalized because of that. Yeah, that was good stuff. He doesn't need to win a cup now. No,
1: no, he doesn't. American hero,
3: indeed. He won our hearts when they said you're an American hero and he said, No, I'm not, the people overseas in Camo are What a guy. Yep. Exactly.
2: What a guy.
1: I'd be like, Yeah, I'm a I'm a hero.
2: Yeah. <laughs> Remind <laughs> me to talk up. about team captains when uh we get to our week. Okay. Alright. But my last nibble bit The Witcher 3's Blood and Wine expansion has a release date of May 30th. It was originally rumored this week, and then they came out and confirmed it along with a trailer. So we were talking a little bit about Blood and Wine in the chat. Kind of makes me want to get back into The Witcher before yeah. that DLC comes out. You Apparently, have, it's awesome.
1: You have to actually play The Witcher before you can do the DLC.
2: I know. Do you have to play the whole thing?
1: I don't know. I'm not sure where it starts. I would love to play the. I got. I've got to get the the season pass. I'd love to play those.
0: Yeah.
1: I haven't played any of the any of the expansions for it. I've all heard they're all pretty good. Got to be better than the Fallout Four expansions. <laughs> when's the good? When's the Harbor one supposed to come out? Nineteenth. Okay. Cool. All right. Uh, I will go next with the bits. You don't have anything else, right, Corey? No, that's it. Okay, uh, Nvidia has announced its new lineup of 1000 series graphics cards with the GTX 1080 and GTX 1070. Uh, the 1080 will retail for 600 bucks and is more powerful, and more powerful than, and three times as energy efficient as the 1000 dollar Titan X. It's apparently more powerful than two 980s in SLI. Uh, that will be available May 27th. Uh and then they also like I said announced the 1070 which is the one I'm interested in uh will be available in June for $380. So. Yeah. Uh apparently these are really really big power upgrades and uh the energy efficiency of these things is incredible. Um they had uh, yeah. the sh- they showed a chart and uh one 1080 uses less power i think than the 960 which is a few a few steps down from the 1080 so
2: so that means cheaper uh 900 series yeah
1: uh not as much as you'd think actually yeah one of my i was talking to one of my friends about it uh he's got two 980 ti's in his computer and uh he he was uh, hopefully looking for a discount. He just offloaded. He had 970s in his computer initially, uh, upgraded to two, two 980 Ti's, and he's glad he offloaded his 970s before they made this announcement. Um, I think the 970s now are still going for, like, 300 bucks. Ugh. Uh They should be steeply discounted at this Man. point. No one's going to buy a 980 or a 970 or a
2: 980 Ti at this point, you know? I was really looking to get a new video card.
1: Yeah, I would wait. I, because I, Eric, Eric is interested in upgrading his too, and I told him to wait till the 1060 comes out, which will probably be later this summer. Uh, it'll probably be mid to low 200s price wise, if I had to guess. And he wouldn't, because he had, he had expressed concern about his power supply being powerful enough, and uh, he's got the GTX. 760 in his computer now, so it would be it would use less power than that even, so he wouldn't have to worry about power supply upgrade, just plop in the new graphics card but good stuff, I'm excited so I was I was giddy when these, I saw that announcement
3: These cards are like way better than the last one
1: Well yeah, like I said, the 11080 is more powerful than two 980s in SLI and more powerful than the Titan X.
3: So yeah. if I got two of them, holy crap!
1: Yeah, if you got two 1080s, you'd probably be good for ever. Yeah, not ever, but uh, probably anything, yeah, anything uh, in 1080p, 1440p, or even 4K resolution probably would last you for a little while.
3: Now, uh, how much upgrade. are these
1: again? Uh, the 1080 600. I can do that. Two two 600 dollar graphics cards
3: i'll just pop them in
1: well i don't think your motherboard can have two cards we
3: we know a lot about my motherboard because i already fried one yep
1: (laughs) i'm pretty sure it's not sli compatible i'd have to look at it again but
3: all right so another 200 for a motherboard right
1: oh no Indeed. Well, you
3: might uh, –
1: I would have to see what kind of processor you have because I know my processor at this point is too old for a new motherboard. I would have to spend a lot to get an uh, old motherboard to work with my i7-2600. So uh, when so, I upgrade my motherboard, it's going to be also a processor upgrade.
3: So basically when you want to upgrade your card, you're like, oh, I have to upgrade these other four components. No,
1: if you just wanted to plop in a new 1080, that would it would be just fine. Okay. If you wanted to add two, I would have to check and see if your motherboard is SLI compatible. I'm not sure if it is or not. Yeah, give it the old try. Sure. Uh, but yeah, I mean, my computer's four years old at this point, so uh, or th- it's three or four. Well, I mean, I guess it was manufactured four years ago, so uh, I can't really find motherboards anymore that aren't overpriced. Yeah. Uh so there's that there's my graphics card news and then also big news today 2K games announced Civilization 6 uh which we could have covered today with it being a C uh coming later this year in October uh the biggest change that I've noticed so far is it seems that cities will now take up multiple tiles allowing the player more specialization in their cities there's not a lot of other details that I've come across yet uh but that's that's a buy for me in October no question
2: huh Civ 6. I'm pretty pumped for it, too. Cities kind of did take up multiple tiles in the past, right?
1: It was only technically one tile. Like, it would spill over onto the other tiles, but it only, quote-unquote, took up yeah, one but, tile.
2: But the city still worked surrounding tiles, you know?
1: Yeah, yeah, but that's the—I mean, I guess it's—you have multiple tiles, actually, like, in your city. Yeah, the the ne- neighboring tiles were worked by citizens of the city, but it wasn't technically the city. So Civ6. Huh.
2: we'll talk about grand strategy.
1: We will. Oh yeah, cuz you're going to be talking about Solaris.
3: Yeah. All right. All right, Will, nibble bits. Uh my first one is that Pokémon Sun and Moon got a release date of November 18th. And with the announcement, they showed off the three new starters. Uh, the first one is Rollit, who is a grass-flying owl-type Pokemon. Then there's Litten, which is a fire-type kitten-looking thing. And then there's the water-type Popplio, who is a seal. And a lot of people are hating on yeah. Pop Leo on the internet, and people, I don't
1: really know why. People hate Poplio. I'm not sure why, either. I They look fine.
3: Yeah, like, the fine. first... The first evolutions are supposed to be, like, cute or doofy looking. The middle ones are supposed to be awkward. And then the final ones are supposed to be awesome. Yeah. So, I don't know. I kind of feel bad because it's funny because I was looking at them. I'm like, I kind of like uh, Poplio the most. So, and it turns out that's the one everybody hates. Yeah. I just, can't, everybody...
1: I just can't picture, and maybe it's because I'm in my 30s, uh, looking into three-part starting Pokemon and being like, What?! It's <laughs> awful. Like I just, I don't know. Just can't picture that.
3: No, Dan, that's a very valid point. If we want to make fun of anything here with creativity, Litton.
1: Yeah, the name's like, not great. I'll give you that. Litten? But There's I'm not. Only... I'm not going to lose sleep over it. That's for sure. Yeah.
2: There's only so many
3: Pokemon names out there. <laughs> that's yeah. true.
1: They're knocking on what eight, nine hundred different Pokemon.
3: I mean, last generation, they had a Chandelier as a Pokemon. Yeah.
1: There cool. were some bad ones in the last uh, last Pokemon, Pokemon X and Y.
2: Wait, so That's... these are fully new Pokemon games, yeah? Yeah. Yeah. Okay.
3: All right.
1: Now. Pokemans.
3: Now, wait, Dan, are you getting one of them?
1: I... We'll have to see. Okay. We'll have to see my situation financially when the time comes. Got I would idea. love to
3: have it. Cause I gotta figure out how I'm gonna get all three Pokemon yeah. starters. Cause that's what I like to do.
1: It depends on what else is coming around <laughs> out around it too. You know, fall let is me... fall is no doubt gonna fill up over the next few months.
3: Yeah, another game just got announced. I think Eric tweeted, so I'm gonna cover it. Okay. Um, let me check the stuff in November. So far, the only thing in November, actually, two things is Call of Duty and Dishonored Two, which I know you're not getting Call of Duty. No, Battlefield One. Battlefield One, let me get into that. Dan uh, It's coming out October twenty first, same day as Civ Six. Oh, jeez, that sucks. Now, Battlefield One, let me tell you, it takes place in World War One. I, I this game looks amazing. Yeah, I did. Any of you watch the the um, the trailer where the guy broke down everything? Yeah, I I tweeted it. Oh no, did you tweet it? I didn't watch yeah. that,
2: Flakfire Gaming. Yep, he was never heard of until this. Trailer breakdown.
3: Which he got over a million views on it, and and I subscribed to him. And, like, his other videos had, like, 10,000. Oh, yeah.
2: No, not even. 200. Yeah. I looked at, like, the new Call of Duty one. It had, like, 200.
3: Yep. And I was going through them today, and, like, he had his Fallout ones got, like, maybe 4,000 people. mm. So, it's a very good breakdown. The guy knows a lot, so, like, he can tell you everything pretty much. And it just seems super it's like a time period that like when people associate world war 1 it's just trench warfare which it wasn't just that uh there there's way more to it and like i listened to dan carlins hardcore history like the 12 hours of it of world war 1 yeah blu- so, like, I, uh, blueprints I a for a armageddon
1: <laughs> blueprints for to- armageddon yep listen listen to that it's great stuff
3: it's definitely worth the listen to and if you're super interested and into the ba- new battlefield that's coming out i definitely say you should should try and listen to as much of the Blueprints of Armageddon as you can. But yeah, cool. I, is, do you guys have any interest in getting it? Yeah, I'm going to get it. Yeah. Even Corey has interest. Absolutely, I do.
1: I don't know how much multiplayer I'll play, but I definitely want to play the campaign.
3: Now, have there been shooters that we know of that have been World War One? I? I know there are probably some out there.
1: There's one called Verdun. Verdun? Yeah. Um, but other than that, like, I don't... It's not as popular as World War Two, obviously,
3: for yeah.
2: first-person shooters. I think there's, there's a lot of opportunity there.
3: Oh, sure. And I'm kind of fine with them taking, like, the liberties online to fit, like, their normal battlefield mold. Yeah. Um, like, as long as they stay fairly within the time period, like, I'm fine with attachments and, like, weapons and stuff like that. Bayonets. That's... Yeah, bay... Bayonets, bipods, even, like, a silencer. I don't care. Like, whatever. There's going to be horses, right? We saw horses in the trailer. Horses, Which sure. was, I saw a horse running alongside the tank, and I'm like, I am sold immediately. There was horses in
1: World War II, also. Yep. Not as much as World War I, but.
3: Yeah, no, so, and it's funny that I was on, like, Reddit, and some people were kind of hating on um, the Battlefield 1 trailer, but that's Reddit. They complain about everything all the time. Yep. Um, but, like, looking at the YouTube, I think it has over a million likes and not very, as many dislikes, which is funny. That's coming off of Infinite Warfare yeah. that was heavily disliked. Yeah.
2: Yeah, I don't know. I th- I just think the, the Battlefield fan base feels like they have something to prove to the Call of Duty fan base. So, it's yep. just a, a war of likes that means absolutely nothing. So, sure.
3: um... And ratcast says bolt action won't work need more than that the trailer shows off there are automatic weapons too so but I think I think bolt action could work too you know it's it's all about um the the
2: visceral feel of the gun if if you're frying that gun and you're feeling it and you're popping off headshots with it mm-hmm. regardless of whether it's an automatic or bolt action it's still gonna feel good and you're still gonna feel a reward for it I agree like the the current modern warfare games with the submachine semi-automatic automatic automatic weapons like strafing back and forth uh i mean if that's a lot of fun to you and that's what you really like then maybe uh battlefield one is not for you yeah but i do feel like there is room for both and and i think you know
1: i mean i always preferred the carbine type guns in these games anyway the the mid-range uh like six or eight shot carbine rifles
3: were always my favorite so like even in, like, World at War, when I played that a lot, like, my favorite weapon was, like, the bolt-action snipers, like, just without a scope, just, like, moving around trying yeah. to pop off some, like, headshots here and there sure. on the map and being a mobile sniper. Like, I had a lot of fun doing that, and I'm, I'm more than fine with a ton of bolt-action.
0: Yeah.
2: It's just, I, I, in the trailer, we just saw so much. Like, like, the guy sitting in the turret in the plane and yep. fire. Like, that's just, I don't know. I think that'll be so much fun. And it I think is. it does kind of open up more opportunity for interesting gameplay things because you're not just running up to somebody with a submachine gun, strafing back and forth and trying to kill them before they kill you. Mm-hmm. There's probably a little bit more that goes into it.
3: And this is going to be like another thing. This is a setting and time period that I would say most people just haven't even seen in a game yet.
2: <sighs> yeah.
3: So, like talking well,
2: about? Valiant Hearts.
3: I was just going to say the only <laughs> other World War One game was Valiant Hearts, but like that the gameplay is going to be so completely different. That's another thing too. Is
2: is uh, I I was really hate hating on Valiant Hearts, but it was because I had just listened to the Dan Carlin,
1: which is super uh, dark by the Blueprints
2: way, Blueprints for Armageddon. And yeah, he talks about just how horrible and awful uh, those battles were, and then to go and play like what amounted to essentially was a cartoon version of World War 1 like it immediately turned me off like I felt like it just trivialized all the violence and stuff and the way like oh you got blown up by a grenade you just respawn and try again I don't know it just and I don't know if I'm going to have the same issue with Battlefield
3: 1 I mean I don't know how the campaign will be I don't know did you, did you like playing Battlefield online at all
2: Oh yeah yeah I've always enjoyed playing the Battlefield I like vehicles man that's just yeah. always been
3: so, I mean, I don't think you'll you'll think it'll like trivialize the game. I really don't think that because the battlefields are pretty good at being kind of like brutal and whatnot. Yeah. Uh the campaign, I don't know how that'll work. I can't imagine it'll be I don't know, like not poke fun, but like not be It'll show the horrors, is my guess, because they were showing off mustard gas and stuff like that. Yeah. And that was a very horrible thing that happened in World War 1. So, I could imagine like I think they'll they'll get into all of that.
2: I'm also totally okay with Trench Warfare. I would just sit in a trench for two hours if I could and play like multiplayer Trench Warfare. I think that would be so much fun. Just like waiting for your shot forever. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I don't know.
3: That's just me. <laughs> Which I can see Corey just in the trench while we're all playing online, just trying to pop out with a shot every <laughs> now and again. Just Smoking a cigar, just waiting.
1: <laughs> if it were me, I'd want to be, you know,
3: in a tent somewhere. Playing in the strategy away from the danger and beardless too also brings up a good point don't all war games to realize the horror of war yeah. well yeah
2: that, i mean that was kind of my point because i had just listened to the blueprint for armageddon you know I, I felt really close to the horrors of that war and that's why valiant hearts didn't do it for me sure yeah and i guess i probably shouldn't listen to that again before i play battlefield one
3: I think it'll be completely different because Valiant Hearts was like a cartoony, um, like platformer. Like this is at least a like a shooter. Yeah, yeah, but still, people are running around worried
2: about their KD, and all I can think about is how many civilians died in in a specific
3: path. You know, I don't know. It's going to be interesting. Interesting to see how this works. I'm guessing we're going to see a lot at E3 of this game because they did kind of show off a lot.
1: Yeah. I'm excited. So I
3: mean, so EA's press conference, we're going to get Mass Effect, Andromeda, and Battlefield 1.
1: Uh, Mass Effect got delayed again.
3: Yeah, but they also said that they're going to show off a lot oh. of stuff at like E3, or show off more, or something hmm. like that. More than a teaser. That's good. Like last year. Cool. I guess in my last nibble bit is that Heroes of the Storm is getting some changes to the game, um, mainly to the ranked play. I know this won't mean anything to you guys, but for some of the people who really... I still play Heroes of the Storm, so it's kind of interesting to me. But the players will rise their uh, ranks like normal, but there will be different tiers for them. Like there's bronze, silver, diamond, gold, all those, which I think they are in other MOBAs too. Um, which is cool. And like you get rewards for rising through the ranks and getting different um, um, different tiers. Like you'll get gold, you'll get mounts, you'll get... I think those are the only two things that I saw. And also, they announced the next two heroes, which is going to be Chromie, who is a little gnome hero from the Warcraft universe. And she's like a time mage sort of thing, who looks really awesome. She's an assassin. And then there is Medivh, who is a specialist, which only has like one attack, but is... To be honest with you, I don't really know how Medev plays. only has one attack, but I think he's going to be really good at giving um, support to the other heroes in the battlefield. I know a lot of people on the Heroes of the Storm subreddit was talking about how Medev is broken without having even played him. Medev OP? Yeah, that, that's, I guess, the consensus, which nobody has any idea. Because everybody complains about the new hero being overpowered the first week because nobody knows how to play him. Right. Or play against the hero, and then slowly, like if it's overpowered, then people will the Blizzard will nerf it. But who's gonna be the second Overwatch hero in Heroes of the Storm? Funny you mentioned that, Dan. Um th- it's not a next Overwatch hero, but Nova's getting a Widowmaker skin. Oh. Which kinda sucks because I kinda wanted Widowmaker in there. Oh. But um The next Overwatch hero, who besides Tracer, who else would you say is like would encapsulate Overwatch. Winston, I would be fine with Winston. That would be pretty awesome. Doctor Va. <laughs> <laughs> no, we know the answer. To that it's Bastion. Bastion. I don't know. We'll get in. We'll get into talking about Bastion later. Sure. I'd be fine with because maybe Mercy, because like they need a support. The heroes need Lucia. more support. Heroes. Lucio would be pretty cool.
2: I think Lucio would be good. Like a quick healer that just did area of effect healing.
3: Yeah. And like increases movement speed. Yeah. I could see people being really upset and saying that it's overpowered, but it would be interesting at least. Yeah. Okay. Um, but other than that, that's it for my nibble bits. Cool. How was your week, Will? uh, It's good. I'm finishing up school, which I'm really excited because this semester really dragged on. Uh, for me, felt like it was like a seventh month semester as opposed to like three, and which is funny because it's my easiest semester that I've had. Like I'm signed up for 19 credits next, uh, next fall, so that one's gonna be way harder. But I'm hoping it goes way faster. That's what I always said. Will my most difficult
2: semester was my last semester, which was 12 credits, which is the mm-hmm. minimum you can take and be full time, and I planned it that way, so I had an easy last semester, and it was by far my most difficult. Yep. Uh, and I had taken. I think seventeen was my biggest semester. And
3: yep, you were fine with that. Yep, right? the twelve credit one was by far the hardest. Uh, it's funny. A person in my English class is talking about how he only has twelve credits, and he's like, "Man, this was the hardest semester I've had." I wonder if it's just because you're like you're constantly back and forth
2: between like doing nothing and then having to do something, versus when you're taking more credits, you're like constantly doing something, so you're sure. always on
3: definitely and like now i only have like english and biology to go to so like it's just, like one class a day and i just like i don't want to go
2: <laughs> So you're just yeah. miserable the entire day because of that one class
3: yeah and like my english is really really interesting but it's an hour and 15 minutes and i'm just like completely zoned out and i'm just disinterested
2: snooze fest
3: yeah if i didn't like the teacher so much i'd just like not go what's the english class English 220 communicating about, about value, ideas and values.: Which it's <laughs> funny because we're learning about <laughs> Buddhism in it. And like reading this like Buddhist text about some philosopher and like Nagarjuna is his name, and it's just like we're learning all these Buddhist ideas because the guy like is a Buddhist or whatever, and it's like super interesting, but it's like really hard to like learn all of it because I'm so used to like, I don't know Western thinking I yeah. guess Christianity. Yeah, and it's like – I'm de- I'm definitely not becoming a Buddhist, but it is a little interesting to learn about it. And our final project is we have to do a five-page paper on uh, wisdom, like a guide to wisdom. I like and, it. And I literally have no idea, like, what I'm going to do, but – well, I kind of have an idea, but um, – I uh,
2: I was in the presence of His Holiness, the Dalai Lama.
3: He brings up the Dalai Lama yeah actually he just the other day he was talking about how because buddhists don't have any sense of self they're explaining low self-esteem to dalai lama and he just had he was blown away by that yeah it's like selfless what no exactly
2: don't <laughs> it's like no self-esteem selfless.
1: self-esteem is a big thing here in america
2: sure is
3: yeah and he said it, "Like it's it was all that matters big, like, full of people and he asked like how many of you like have this in like 80% of the people raised their hand and he was like oh my god this is crazy this is blowing my mind yeah and so like it's cool to learn about like all that stuff and I find it really interesting and I really like the teacher he's like this as soon as I saw him I was like uh, as soon as he said I want everybody to put the chairs in a circle I was like I know what kind of guy this is and I look up and he's like in a flannel tight pants long gray hair and a ponytail
2: is he Buddhist?
3: yeah he is he meditates and all that but nice. really like the class. Um, I am excited to be done with it so I don't have to worry about school anymore. Other, uh, I guess hockey we can talk about. I don't sure. know. Dan? Yeah. You can, you can take it because your team is the only one that's still playing.
1: Game seven tomorrow.
3: I uh, cannot wait to watch it. You think they're going to play better than they did last uh, game in San Jose?
1: My only hope is that they don't go in and, and lay an egg like they did uh, game five. Uh, you know, if they ultimately end up losing, like, I'll be happy with, with what they did so far. Uh, as yeah. long as it's a close game. Like, I, I don't want them to get killed like they did against San Jose in Game 5 in San yeah. Jose. So uh, the the positive thing we're looking at is that it's the first time since the playoffs have started that the Predators have gotten more than one day of rest in between games. Yeah. Um, you know, San Jose had almost a week in between their series with L.A. and series with Nashville. Uh, Nashville finished up in Anaheim and went right to San Jose uh, one day in between games. Mm-hmm. So hopefully that extra rest does them some good and uh, hopefully it's a good game.
3: It's funny because I listen to a lot of podcasts, by the way, listen to the Steve Dangle podcast. They talk about the names of the Western hockey league players that just got drafted into the WHL. I
1: read that article actually. Oh my God. Yeah. Like Timber. Yeah. There's some good Steel ones on there.
3: Boomer and they're just making fun of 15-year-old kids the whole time, but yeah. it's hilarious to listen to it. But they picked um San Jose to win the series in like four or five games and I'm like, "Are you kidding me?" Yeah. I don't know. And I think I, I think the Nashville Predators are like the le- are the most underrated team in the NHL. Sure. I think they like it that that way though. Oh, definitely. They've just got so many – like, I would say they're, they've are they got the best offensive, like, pairings in the league. I feel like Ellis and Eckholm could pl- be, like, a top pairing on another team. Yeah.
1: So, yeah, I don't know. For sure. I just
3: I – re- I really want Nashville to advance because I really think that they can go to the cop if they, they advance.
1: I don't know, man. The the thing I, I always look at is Nashville was the fourth best team in the Central Division. Mm-hmm. So, you know who knows when we go up against uh 1 or 2 in the central
3: this is how i look at it dan you also had a really bad year cuz rene was pretty horrible for 80% of it yeah he's finally playing better i was just he's, glad
1: i was just glad that arvidson was the one to get the overtime goal oh yeah that was he, beautiful he's played so hard all playoffs and it was it was good to see him be the one to score the game winner in overtime
3: the best part is he wasn't even looking when yeah. he shot the puck, he just kind of flung it on net, and it was yep. just like the perfect location. Yep, it's good stuff. I, uh, I mean, San Jose is considered an awful home team, so I'm kind of surprised Nashville hasn't won a, a game there yet. They've never Maybe. won a
1: game against San Jose in San Jose in the
3: playoffs. Really? Yeah. Maybe this is. I mean, at a, at some point that trend has to break. So, sure. Maybe this is the time. Hopefully. But I'm, re- I'm really excited for you, Dan. I really hope that they can they pull it out.
0: Yeah.
1: Thanks.
3: Me too. Yeah. Because they're the team I'm bandwagoning
1: now. So <laughs> That's right. They don't have too many bandwagon fans. So.
3: No, it's funny because Johnny's brother Nick is a Capitals fan. Uh-huh. They just got eliminated yeah. last night. So I was like, hey, sorry, man. I was really rooting for them. And I was like, there's room on the Predator bandwagon <laughs> if you want to join. But there's no have one the on Predators it. Predators made it to the conference finals yet?
1: No. They've only made yeah. it as far as the second round. This is actually the first time uh I think they had never played a game later than like May 9th. So already they're uh they're in the playoffs like at a later date than they've ever been. So this year was the first year they'd played in a game seven. And
3: they played two. Yep, and they'll be playing two. So they also play a three overtime game, which was insane. Yeah. Um good stuff. Yeah. That's all I got. Henrik Lundqvist to Dallas, please. Four. All of the prospects. Yeah, all of them. Yep. Okay. That's uh, it for me. I don't I don't really have anything else too interesting. What do you got, Corey? Uh,
2: quite a few things, actually. I'll, I'll try to get through it pretty quickly, but uh, I wanted your guys' opinion on a lot of this stuff. I, I bought an HD antenna, a digital mm-hmm. HD antenna for my TV. Uh, I get seven channels clear as day, which is pretty good. Nice. Considering it was only $30. Yeah. And that's seven channels for free forever. Uh, NBC being one of them, which was the big one for me. Yep. I got, there's websites where you can look up, like, what kind of channels you'll get, depending on the type of antenna you have. and
1: Where you you point it.
2: Where you point it and stuff like that. And NBC was kind of a stretch, uh, because I think it was, like, 40-some miles away. So I had to buy a 50-mile antenna and uh get in the right spot in the room uh but it turns out i got it i want it for hockey for when they the games are on nbc uh-huh. uh so that's good uh, cbs is another one the cw there's like a local channel a couple other ones there's
1: like three wskgs or two wskgs something like that yeah or uh, i'm
2: sorry pbs yeah
1: wskgs I mean, I... are local pbs
2: I hesitated a long time on this HD antenna thing because I knew as soon as I got it my girlfriend would start watching a ton of really bad TV again. <laughs> and at least when we didn't have that she'd have to find something on Netflix. Sure. Um she's been watching like every she's been binge watching shows like she's almost done with The X-Files. Wow. Just like makes me so happy. I don't like The X-Files but it right. makes me so happy that she's watching that and not the Kardashian, you know. <laughs> whatever. Yeah. I don't even know what channel The Kardashians is on but like we were excited cuz judge judy was on uh-huh. today like that was the first thing we tuned into with our with our hd antenna uh, yeah. but the channels come in great high def clear as day i haven't really explored to see like what channels might kind of come in enough to watch but that the auto tuner didn't pick up on so there might even be more i don't know um that was just what the auto tuner picked up
0: yeah
1: i had an hd antenna for a couple of years before we yeah. finally got cable again on a on a deal uh yeah it works fine yeah, I was it's... pretty happy with it. We had to move it on occasion um, because the the way the antenna was, it was right behind my computer chair. Mm. So if I was sitting in my computer chair with the back up against the antenna, it would mess up the signal a little yeah. bit. Uh, it was just the way the things were placed in, a, in our living room. Yeah. Uh, so like when, when my wife was watching Fallon at night, I would have to turn my chair so it was more straight so the antenna would have plenty of room to uh, pick up the signal. Or yeah. uh, Fallon, or Dancing with the Stars, or or The Bachelor, or this is the other show she watches? So,
2: yeah. Well, we're kind of lucky because we're high up on the second floor, and our TV room is all windows. It's yep. just like a big sunroom. room, so should be good. You don't really have to worry about much interference there. Uh, I watched Deadpool. It's okay. awesome. How, how I don't know you if it? you guys have seen Deadpool.
1: No, I've heard heard good things.
2: It's really good. Uh, I, I'm not huge comic book guy. I only uh. I'm not big on the movies either. I just kind of enjoy them. I'm not a fanatic or anything like that. I think Deadpool is my favorite. Nice, it's really. I'm a big Ryan Reynolds fan, which is kind of weird to say out loud now that I said it. But <laughs> uh, he makes a really, really good Deadpool, and uh, I loved it. So uh-huh. definitely check out Deadpool. Uh, I also watched the 30 for 30 on the Duke lacrosse team. Oh, uh, Okay, and their Ooh. scandal oh. the mid 2000s, okay. 2006 something like that yes and it's funny how your memory is flavored by the media coverage of it Uh, because last i knew they were all a bunch of skeezy assholes and were indicted or charged or whatever the phrase is and and did some bad things but it kind of turns out that uh that wasn't the case and the the woman who accused them of rape actually said uh they didn't rape me after a while and the whole thing was just kind of glossed blown. over <laughs> yeah uh not i'm not defending them i think no. you know they're probably a bunch of assholes it's <laughs> yeah it, it's the things.
1: it's the type of thing where you know obviously the media doesn't always paint the whole picture
2: exactly you know
1: there's there's more to the story usually in anything
2: yeah you know and i i still i, I i'm not giving them a pass no I, I you, you should not up to no good Sure, there could have been something, but it might not have been to the extent that the woman claimed it was, and she even said it wasn't. Right, and she was actually uh, she's in jail for murder now. So, really, yeah, she is. Dear God. Uh, but there was uh, one moment that really stood out to me in the whole thirty for thirty thing, and it's like an hour and a half. I didn't realize they were that long. It was really long. I thought it was thirty minutes. Isn't that what thirty for thirty means?
3: To be honest don't with know. you, I thought it had something to do with 30... Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, was, I, guess, I guess it doesn't matter, but... I'm going to look it up because it's going to bother me.
2: Yeah, but the uh, moment that really stood out to me, and this is what I was talking about with captain speeches, is when, when the captain, uh, they found like DNA evidence under a fingernail in a garbage can or something like that for of his, and uh, he was the first of his teammates to come out in front of the media and just say, I am innocent of all charges. My teammates are innocent of all charges. And it was such again, like I feel bad enjoying his speech because he might have done something real bad. I don't I don't really know. Uh, But as far as like captain speeches go for him to like walk up in front of the media as a 20 year old kid or whatever and say what he said in front of all those people and stand up for his team. I, I was just beside myself. I'm like, what a what a great captain, you know, Like what a great captain thing to do. Sure. Thought that was really cool. Those 30 for 30s are pretty good. I still haven't seen the one of our uh, local football team. Yeah, I mean,
1: football. No, I haven't watched either. I pop Murtha himself.
3: It's 30 different directors telling 30 different stories.
1: So that's what 30 for 30 means.
3: Yeah. Nice.
2: Yeah. Cool.
3: Um, The last
2: thing I want to talk about, I listened to a bunch of new podcasts this week. Summer's in full swing. So I'm outside doing my thing, which means I can listen to as much podcast as I want uh so i listened to a few the first one i listened to was a film podcast and the guy was talking i'm like i know this guy's voice what is it from what is it from i finally realized it's bald brian really on the film vault oh
1: i used to listen to that yeah is anderson still on it is he still the other guy
2: i think so yeah anderson yeah uh i didn't like it at all yeah wasn't in, wasn't into it at all there's a couple of really good film podcasts i listen to one of them being film spotting uh-huh. uh, which is a little bit more my speed i couldn't really keep up with their what's their word what's the word uh
1: my new ship the back, and
2: forth, the the back min- and forth between the two like i couldn't really keep up with that oh, okay Paul brian is a funny guy yeah uh, and i was laughing out loud at some of the stuff he said but as far as like the infotainment aspect i yeah. just wasn't getting anything out of it gotcha
1: yeah, I, I listened to that for a little while when I was – because I, I don't even really, even really watch movies that much. Yeah. So it was just when I listened yeah. to Yeah,
2: and I couldn't really – I didn't understand what their format was for their show. They were just talking about random stuff at the beginning, and it seemed like they knew what the format was, but I could just could not understand yeah. what was going on. Uh, so I wasn't big on that. Uh, but I also listened to Kind of Funny for the first time, the Greg Miller podcast uh, when he spun off from IGN with his, mm-hmm. his cronies there. They have the, the kind of funny network, I guess. Uh, and I listen to the kind of funny games cast, which is pretty good. Um, I forget. Is it Tim Geddes that's on there with him? I can't remember. But that's a pretty good gaming podcast. Mm, maybe not in my top three or four, but probably top five, mm-hmm. top ten, definitely. Uh, also listen to Ask Me Another, which is a trivia podcast out of NPR. That's a big nope for me. Didn't care for it. Uh, if you want good trivia from NPR, listen to Wait Wait Don't Tell Me. It's their uh, news trivia show they do every week with Peter Sagal. It's mm-hmm. funny. It's some good stuff on there. Uh, if you this... hate the news, you'd probably still enjoy it. There's some good humor. They have a panelist of comedians that are the contestants, and they yeah.
3: they make fun of stuff.
2: Include civilians. Yeah, yeah, they do. Nice. Listen to another one called Welcome to Night Vale which is, uh, I don't understand, the I don't know what the genesis of it is, but it's like four years into it or something like that, and I think it's weekly, I can't remember, but it's this fictional world that was created, and it's just a series of, it's like a a talking head, like doing a public service announcement for the local children and talking about the news that's going on in this fictional town that this writer created that's kind of... uh, Science fictiony weird stuff going on. Uh, there he was talking about aliens and I don't know. Like I read the description because it was on one of the top rated pod. It was on the top rated podcast list, and I read the description. that said, "Oh, start at the beginning or just jump in whenever, and it'll make total sense." It made absolutely no sense to me.
3: <laughs> of course, I, it
2: did. The production values were good, but I, I don't know. I probably won't listen to it again. I didn't really get enough out of the the lore to to catch my interest. So. Uh-huh. I could, I could, I understand the appeal, but probably not for me at this point. Sure. Uh, and then I listened to two Game of Thrones podcasts, nice, which I'm hooked on. There, I subscribed. I'm going to listen to them every week. Um, one of them I listened to was called Game of Thrones: The Podcast, and that was the better of the two. And they do. Are you guys still there? Yeah. Yeah. This is the video cut out? Of course, it did. That's weird. Uh the Game of Thrones, the podcast and what they do after every episode, they do the instant take, which is their like 30 minutes, just immediate thoughts on the uh, most recent show. And they do it right after the episodes. So that's up like Sunday night. It's two guys, very knowledgeable. One of them's read all the books, knows all the lore, reads the wiki all the time. The other guy just watches the show. So it's good to have the two perspectives. Yeah. And then, uh, They do, like on Tuesday, they do their main episode, which is, you know, they have time to process it, they think about it, they compare stuff, and then they come and talk about it. And then they do the spoiler cast even later in the week. And this is all based on a single episode. Uh, They do the spoiler cast, which is they bring in information from the books and talk about stuff that might be a spoiler. Although at this point, the show is a little bit ahead of the books, So, Uh I mean, there still is some spoilery stuff because the, the show tends to jump back in the book timeline to pull stuff up
1: yeah there was a so. a good one for in this week's episode that was uh that was talked about in the very very beginning of the first book
2: yeah was it which one which part was it
1: that was the sword fight
2: oh part. the tower of joy yep oh
1: my god i know was, what so is good oh so my good.
2: arthur dane
1: it was amazing that whole part it was, was, it was amazing. amazing
2: we'll talk I, we should talk game of thrones we should uh, and then the other one's a cast of kings. Not as good as the Game of Thrones podcast, but it has uh, a podcast I really like. His name's David Chen. He does the Slash Film Cast, another film podcast uh, that I listen to, and he also does the Tobolowski Files with Stephen Tobolowski, who's a relatively famous character actor. Uh, Ned Ryerson from Groundhog Day.
0: Uh-huh.
2: Is he Ned Ryerson? Ned? Ned Ryerson? Oh, he's like he's the guy that says. Watch your step. First step, it's a doozy. Yeah, okay. I, yeah, yeah I know that's Stephen Tobolowski. Okay. Um, but same type of thing. The the woman on that, I forget her name. Vanessa, maybe is her name. Uh, has read all the books, knows all the backstory. David Chen is just a show watcher. So again, they have the dynamic of the two, uh, and it's also really good. But of the two, I preferred the the Game of Thrones podcast, but huh. I've learned so much listening to those podcasts, just like keeping everybody's name straight and, and hearing the backstory. And, um, I'm all in, like I'll read before, uh, we got ahead of the books. I refused to read anything about it cause I didn't want any of it to be spoiled. But now that I know, like in the, in the timeline, we're a little bit ahead. I'll just, I read the wikis. I don't mind any kind of book spoiler or anything sure. like that. So it's good stuff, yeah. but, uh, yeah, a lot of a lot of podcasts to actually had a chat uh, question in the chat. What's your favorite podcast to listen to right now? That changes day by day, really,
1: depending on what you're in the mood for.
2: Yeah, the I mean the Bombcast Giant Bomb uh, is is always a, a favorite, and the Beastcast is another favorite. Uh, I like the Eight Four Play podcast, which is a Japanese games podcast out of Japan. They're a localization company, and they do a a biweekly video games podcast. Uh, those are you know in my top three or whatever uh angry chicken is a hearthstone podcast i listen to regularly uh, i'm just trying to see what i have here i don't i can't it's hard picking a favorite like merrick versus Wasinski for hockey there's three type of podcasts i subscribe to it's uh video games hockey and like film film yeah i guess and the fourth would be like tech i listened to this week in tech with leo laporte radio lab's a good one Yep. i don't know i listened to Kotaku split screen i listened to ign's podcast nintendo voice chat podcast beyond um i subscribe to the art of manliness but i haven't listened to that yet so there's a bunch i i listen to a bunch of podcasts but it's hard to pick a favorite i would say maybe thumbstick athletes would be my favorite
1: probably yeah
2: so <laughs> there's yeah
3: if i had to pick
1: I don't know. Have you listened have you given the uh, smartest man in the world to listen yet? No, who's that? That's uh I was I think I told you about it a couple weeks ago. It's um uh frick! what's his name?
2: I'll uh, I'll put it on right now.
1: You don't have to. It's uh god damn, damn it. Man. Greg. Oh, uh, he was oh, on from He yeah, he was on uh whose, whose lines is, is, is it anyway? For, I have um Greg Proops. Greg Proops, yeah. Uh, that was one, always one of my favorites because he, he does them all live. He kind of riffs on the news. Um, sm- really, smart guy, uh, you know, smartest man in the world. But uh, he also loves baseball, uh, so it's kind of interesting to hear him talk about old baseball. It's good stuff. Yeah,
2: It's kind of like I've listened to a ton of podcasts, and I find myself trying to determine, like, what makes a good podcast. Yeah. And like I talked about the, the film vault one, um, like they're funny guys, but it just didn't come together in an sure. interesting kind of way. It's like, you need a bunch of different things. You need like chemistry, uh, a little bit of humor and enough like information to keep you engaged. I don't know. Yeah. There's like a formula that isn't determined yet. For no, like I, what makes a good podcast.
1: I don't think there ever will be one either. Cause I think the, the, the format lends itself to a uh, niche listening audience, you know?
2: And that's what it You try to be too broad. Yeah. You're sunk.
1: Sure.
2: I don't know. We should do a podcast about podcasts.
1: <laughs> we could do that. We It'd could do that. It would be fun to
2: do. There's that guy that does the the zero feedback website for video games that are released but have zero critical uh, write-ups on them. Mm-hmm. Be fun to do that for podcasts
1: yeah play I all sorts of
2: podcasts we're... that nobody has ever reviewed <laughs> <and> play <laughs> clips from it and criticize it yeah okay
1: anything else Corey? no uh, i don't really have anything else going on either yeah so uh we'll take a quick break and be back with what we played and feedback in just a moment Welcome back, everybody! Episode two fifty one of the Thumbstick Athletes podcast. We are now in uh, what we played. So uh, I'm going to get this out of the way. I beat Dark Souls three.
3: Yeah, thank you. Woo.
1: Um, I was gonna and I was gonna play Overwatch. It was what Friday or Saturday night last. Last, I, I I think all you guys were playing Overwatch, but I was like, you know what? I'll play Dark Souls. I'm I'm close to the end. I didn't know how close. Apparently, I was a lot closer than I thought. So, uh, I took a few stabs at the final boss, and I was like, man, this is this is not going to be easy. Uh, but it turns out I just had crappy partners helping me. Uh, once I got two helpful partners, we pretty much wiped the floor with the final boss, and he ended up not being too difficult. So. Um, yeah, no, I had a, a
2: much easier time with the <clears throat> the last guy than the the bosses leading up to him.
1: Yeah, um, I didn't have too much trouble uh, with the. I can't really think of a boss I had like a huge amount of trouble with. Probably the the, um, the pontiff, pontiff Sullivan, Sullivan he's the one I had the most trouble with. I probably took tw- ten or twelve tries with him. Really, um, all the others I didn't have too much of an issue with so
2: see i didn't have an issue until the the dancer
1: oh the dancer was was kind of hard yeah
2: every time she grabbed me i wanted to <laughs> throw my keyboard out the window yeah because that's a one
1: hit one kill
2: grab yeah
1: uh so yeah i had a blast with dark souls i i liked cory i immediately started the new game plus uh, and played it for a little while you know i just blazed through the starting area uh you're way over leveled even a new game plus for, for the starting yeah. area again. So I Let's... took down the Ion I, I, I index Gunder Gundire thing, you know, first first try. I think I got hit once. Um yeah, that was pretty easy. Uh but then I fired up Dark Souls One again and started playing that.
2: All right, we yeah. should discuss how we're going to go about our playthrough.
1: Yeah, because uh, I, I like I figured I would play it a little bit and get get a feel for it again, because it's been a while since I played that. I think the last time I played Dark Souls 1 was after I beat Dark Souls 2. Um, and I played, and I got to a point where I just couldn't advance anymore, but uh, I've since far surpassed that one spot and have done quite a bit on Dark Souls 1. I rang the first bell. Yeah, on uh, the roof. On the roof, yep. Well, oh, you know, I did that too. Roof of the Cathedral. Uh, I pretty much cleared out all the spots that you can go up. Um, I beat the Moonlight Butterfly boss.
2: Don't think I've done that one yet.
1: Okay, that was um, that was in where you go through that foggy area with the trees, the tree guys with the whips. Did you yeah, do that man. part? That part was a pain. Uh, I killed the Hydra that was over there too.
2: The one that's throwing fireballs at you?
1: Yeah, killed the Hydra.
2: don't think i ever did that
1: um so yeah i've i've pretty much cleared out that part i need to go into the dungeons now
2: did you Uh, do the texture texture mods and all that stuff
1: yes i did all that stuff uh it does affect gameplay a little bit apparently really uh i did the 60 the ds fix yep update uh which does textures and all that stuff it also updates it to 60 frames per second uh that apparently affects your roll and it affects your jump a little mm. bit, uh, not enough to make it so you can't beat the game, but it definitely slows it. Definitely slows down the roll a little bit. Um, so if you're, I a, didn't know that. If yeah, if you're a Dodger, just because it messes with the physics, changing it from uh, locked thirty to uh, locked sixty frames per second. So I had to tinker with it a little bit because I was getting a lot of tearing. Uh, so I had to, I had to enable VSync in my NVIDIA settings for that specific game. Um, because it apparently, what is it, VSync or anti-aliasing causes crashes. Um, but yeah, I had to enable the VSync through through the Nvidia graphics manager specifically for uh, Dark Souls to get it to work. So it did require some tinkering, but it works great now. Runs great. Um, it's a hard game.
2: Let, well, Real let me hard. ask you sure. the comparison to Dark Souls Three, comparing and contrasting. Uh, do you have a preference? Do you feel one stands out above the other?
1: I mean, I like the newer games because the gameplay, I feel like, is more tight. Okay, it's quite a bit more jank in the first one than in the in 2 and in 3. They're definitely refined gameplay-wise. Um, the AI is not as good in 1 as it is in 2, or th- two and 3. There's That's a true. lot of enemies you could get, like uh, those crystal guys that are right outside where the Hydra is. Uh-huh. Uh, if you shoot them with arrows, you can lead them into like a cul-de-sac, and they just keep running at you, and you just keep shooting them with the bow. So, there's a lot more of those type of things that you can take advantage of in Dark Souls 1 than there was in 2 and 3. I feel like the enemies aren't nearly as smart. Um, but, at the same time, like it's, it's it feels like a little more foreboding uh, and dangerous and scary than the other games, because of the the way... Uh, the at least at this point I haven't gotten any fast travel. Uh so any anything is a long walk, it's a long slog. There's always that chance that something's going to pop out and kill you or that one enemy that you've killed a hundred times is uh is going to get you this this one time, you know. I don't so believe
2: there is fast travel in the first one.
1: I've heard you can get it later on. There's a not fast travel in the way that's in Dark Souls 2 and 3, but there is a way to fast travel. Uh mm. apparently. I I mean that okay. could, that could be completely wrong, I don't know. Um but yeah, I mean, I there's, out. there's the homeward bones that you can use, right. um, but that's in two and three too. So but yeah, I'm really having a good time. Me and core are going to do some co-op. Uh, we'll have to try and get kind of in the same place. I think
2: I'll catch up to you. Are you behind me? Thank I only got the, rang the first bell. I think that was the last thing I did.
1: Okay. Yeah. There's a couple of the bosses that you have to kind of dig deep to, to get
2: in that, that area.
1: Um, so, but yeah, good stuff.
2: It is, it is a great game, and I love your adjective of foreboding. Yeah, I think that's a good way to, to describe it. Yeah, it definitely felt like playing through it. You,
1: it's more scary,
2: and, but in that, uh, as part of that, it's. I felt like it was more rewarding too.
1: Sure. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I've had to solo all the bosses I've fought so far because I don't know if I'm not far enough. To the point where anyone has any summon stuff down, but there's no.
2: Well, you got no to be human. No, no, I know. No, I know. Oh. I know.
1: I know. How, oh, I know how it works.
2: Go to there's the no one, no one there. Wikia. People are always in the chat there. Yeah, and just ask, and somebody will help you. Okay. If I, I have a really good dedicated community,
1: if I if I run into trouble, I have to do that. Um, I, I I had some trouble with the gargoyles up on the roof. Took me yeah. probably four or five tries before I could beat them, but I ended up beating them. And I think I've killed like three or four bosses so far. One of them was a really janky boss fight. It was with that demon. Um, it's kind of on the lower level of the undead berg. You go through the it's a roundabout way, but it's a it's a small room that you fight this demon in, and there's two like dogs. But I just went up on onto a ledge, and I was able to just shoot him with arrows until he died. Oh,
2: yeah. I don't remember that one. Yeah. But My good stuff. Is murky. Great stuff. Yeah.
1: Uh, so I played Dark Souls 1, uh, and then Overwatch. You want to talk about Overwatch?
2: Let's talk about Overwatch. Yeah. I kind of wish Eric was here for this. But...
1: Sure. Um, yeah, I mean, I played quite a bit of Overwatch last week. Uh, I probably stopped this weekend. They extended the the open beta another 24 hours. Um <clears throat> But I think one of my favorite char- I my goal for the, the beta was to get used to one character of every, like, archetype, you know? I wanted to get good at, like, a, assault, defense, uh, tank, and support. Uh, and the last one I needed was support, so I tried, I was on a team that needed a healer, and no one wanted to be the healer. So I tried Mercy, because I know Mercy's, like, a good healer, but I was just having no luck whatsoever. So uh, I was only vaguely familiar with Lucio's abilities. I knew that he had uh, area-of-effect healing. Uh, but I ended up jumping in, playing a game as as Lucio, and dominating. Dominating. Uh, I really ended up loving his abilities, and uh, I had a lot of people compliment me on how, how good of a Lucio I played, which was nice for me because I'm not really a first-person shooter player.
2: There uh, must be something to that, Dan, because I had the, uh, quite a bit of success as Lucio as yeah. well.
1: Once you learn his abilities, like he's amazing, yeah. Uh, especially for anything where you have to capture like a point,
0: mm-hmm.
1: or, or if you you know you can keep your team around a payload that you're escorting, um, his his abilities are great because he. Uh, for those that don't know, he's an area of effect healer, and he. Uh, so he has he has two settings. He can uh, area of effect heal, or he can increase movement speed, and you change that with the the left shift, mm-hmm. uh, and then his E ability is it's. "Quote, unquote, turn up the volume or something like that, uh, where it increases his effectiveness of either movement, his movement buff, or his healing. Um, so you know if you're if you're in combat or whatever, you just hit that and that'll increase the healing and keep keep people alive. Uh, and he shoots like like a normal gun, so you focus on you can focus on the combat and not have to you know as long as you're kind of near your teammates, you're healing them, yep. uh, which is what I liked about him over Mercy. Mercy, you have to focus on healing." Uh, while trying to kind of stay out of the combat because she's like she can't fight and heal at the same time, uh, which I didn't like uh, as much about her. And then his Q ability is uh, or his ultimate is uh, shields. So you know if you're again in a combat heavy situation, you hit those shields and uh, protect your ass Gives you like
2: twice the health.
1: Yeah, temporarily uh, for, for quite a bit. And then his uh right mu- right mouse click attack is like a it's a sound blast that you know blasts enemies away from you if you're getting melee or whatever
2: it's really nice because you can push them off ledges yep. holes yep yep
1: um yeah I, I had a few games where i was super effective as lucio and uh carried my team to victory a couple plays of the game um a lot of compliments from my my teammates so that was that was nice
2: yeah uh speaking of lucio he kind of saved my opinion of the game oh,
1: for me okay
2: I was having zero fun with Overwatch, honestly. And I tried a number of different characters. Mm. um, And it wasn't until Lucio... And I think part of the issue is... The character of Lucio fixed a lot of things I didn't like about the game. Mm. One of them being survivability. Mm. Of which there is almost none. Mm. Uh, And With Lucio's heel and his uh, movement song... Whichever one you're using increases your survivability a little bit whether it be like skating around really fast so the enemies can't really hit you which mm. i use to my advantage like if i use it sort of as a distraction yeah uh, as i go past enemy lines and then use the boost the amp boost or whatever yeah to the song which made you super go super fast. faster and so you go behind him and everybody would turn around while your teammates could kind of get advance a little bit and get yep. in position uh, so i use that to my advantage and also with the heal you know that's just healing you all yep. along the way so you're a little you can survive a little bit more
1: yeah
3: Corey, a lot of the heroes you played also had no escape like Widowmaker
2: yeah that's true um but I mean even like Pharah and stuff like that like Reinhardt
3: Diva has good escape
2: Escape. yeah again. so it was
3: like Tracer
1: uh
2: but another thing I really dislike about Overwatch is the time it takes for you to rejoin the battle <laughs> after you die um, yeah, yeah. It's a long walk, especially if you're a slow character. It takes forever. But with Lucio, you know, you put that speed song on and you amp it up and yep. you're there.
1: Yep. In and no it helps
2: your teammates too because that song spreads to them. Mm-hmm. So it speeds them up and brings them back into the action as well. Yep. Um, so I guess for me, it's just like Lucio is the one character that fixes the things I dislike about Overwatch. Uh huh. Maybe there's some more. I don't know. I haven't played them all. I've played maybe 75% of them. Uh, some of them just for one match kind of thing yeah. but uh it's 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 weird because i think i think people are still trying to figure out the best way to play that game uh because you you really do have to change characters on the fly yeah you know if, uh, if something's not working you got to change who you are yeah yeah and until That's people biggest... go ahead
3: as i said it's my biggest complaint with people who say the game has balance issues it's like you gotta change your character and play counters. Yeah. Like, that's a huge part of the game. It's just like, because you're going against Bastion, play Genji, Hanzo, Widowmaker, Tracer. Take um, him out. Yeah, to take him out. Don't just sit there and be like, this game needs balancing now. I
2: did have a little bit of an issue with Bastion. I, I do think he's a little overpowered. But if you yeah. look at tier lists, he's like bottom tier. I, I don't get that, though. Like, he because kills me so many times. My issue. Well, my a... issue. Let me explain my issue first, and then you can rebut. But okay. uh, uh, I played a lot of Widowmaker, and a sniper bullet rarely kills a person in one hit, unless you get them in the head or they're you know kind of, kind of low on health. But one of Bastion's minigun bullets, of which he's cranking out twenty per second or whatever, kills you. Doesn't that seem crazy?
3: Well, he's shooting so many bullets in like was short span that but it you don't seems know like how just... many. Just one nips you and it kills you. I mean, Widowmaker is a squishy hero,
2: too. I'm not talking about the squishiness of the hero. I'm talking about their ability to kill. I think a sniper bullet should do more damage than one of Bastion's minigun
3: bullets. Well, as I said, he's shooting so many bullets so fast. It seems like one, but he's really pouring, like, seven, eight bullets into you. I mean, that could be.
2: But I was just, like, pumping people full of bullets. Well, if you, as Widowmaker... She's <laughs> not getting kills. This was just one instance. I mean, I did have a lot of success with Widowmaker other no, times, but...
3: You're, you're definitely right. With Widowmaker, if you... The moment when you shoot somebody, like, at 100% and don't kill them, that the charge meter with her... Because the yeah. further that you have the scope in, the more damage, like, her shots do. Yeah. Yeah like you shoot it and you pop off a bullet right away basically like you're getting a very minimal amount of damage output when you pop off that second shot so like that's part of the reason why widowmaker sometimes doesn't kill right away
2: no i i i realize that but even at 100% is i still had that issue
3: no you you're right i definitely think that sometimes where if it's like in the chest you think it would kill them and it doesn't yeah
1: there's some uh i read a um a couple articles specifically on Bastion and and some people actually had some good suggestions for uh, quote unquote fixing Bastion. Uh one of them was you can shoot your minigun bullets but once you need to reload um then you have a then you have to come out of your turret mode and have have a cooldown. Yeah. So, you know, you you go out of your your turret mode, you reload and then you have like a whatever 10 second uh uh cooldown for it which my, i thought was interesting
2: uh, sorry i mean it didn't mean to interrupt no, go ahead my fix was friendly fire bastion can do damage to his teammates so he can't just crank bullets into the me- the melee and only hit the enemies you know sure. it's got to be a little more selective
1: yeah that's that's interesting
2: but i don't i don't know i, I think you're definitely right will like there are ways to counter bastion that people just aren't taking advantage Wait. of
3: I mean, too off the top of my head right now, Genji deflects bullets. Like, he has an ability where he deflects bullets back at the enemy. Yeah. So when Bastion's firing at you, just use Genji and deflect them back at him and kill him. Another is Roadhog, who's a tank. He can hook heroes. Just, like, have him hook yeah. Hook uh, Bastion out of position, and then he's useless. Sometimes like, that's not an option, though.
2: Like, when Bastion sets up in a corridor and you round the corner and just cranking bullets at you before you have time to
3: react. Yeah. I, I, don't, know. Yeah. I, I don't
2: know. I, I don't know. I, just, I think there's I, there's issues there.
3: I, it's just, it's funny like I go to the Overwatch subreddit and like it's now infiltrated by the people who just played the game, which is fine. but like the people who have been playing it since closed beta, are getting annoyed because everybody's complaining and saying this is overpowered, that's overpowered, and you're like, like we've been here for the whole duration of the game and seen some like legitimately overpowered stuff.
1: Bastion used to be like really super overpowered. He's yeah, they toned down. A lot. <laughs> He's toned down nice a lot. Nice on
2: like an elitist apparently. Apparently.
3: <laughs> No, it's just like
2: here's here's my thing. I played a lot of overma- Overwatch matches, and I yeah. found myself getting immensely annoyed by Bastion. And I'm agreeing with you that there are workarounds, but I feel like it shouldn't be every game where I'm just like, oh, there's Bastion again. Like, just feeling like it's bullshit every time. I'm not sure what the fix is. Maybe there isn't one. Maybe you're right. Maybe just everybody needs to get better. But get I good. I, I just found myself t- being taken out of the game because of Bastion on too many occasions. Sure. And and the it, other it, it, one... He it's also
3: on. A, it's also the like I keep on getting killed by the same hero, like because he's gonna. Of course, he's gonna be picked all the time on defense missions or be, er, objectives because like that's his, that's his jam. Yeah, you know. Yeah, I don't know. I that makes I just sense. feel, I just feel like that. The more that I played, the more I could figure out how to counter him. Like I said, Genji is a direct counter, and it makes it, just, it makes it a lot easier to take out Bastion. Or you can just be Bashing yourself and fire back at him. I don't know. I just feel like that a lot of it is people being exposed to the game for the first time and not knowing exactly how to counter stuff. And then, therefore, it's overpowered because they don't want to figure it out. Yeah.
2: No, you're, you're definitely right. I think there's a bit of a learning curve. In that, like the way to play this game is not to get really good at one hero and, yeah. and use that hero and and stick with it. It's like you're you have to change on the fly. You sure. have to respond to what the, the other team yeah. has, uh, and that's just like it's kind of a new. I don't know of other games that do that. It's
1: cause... like a moba in that way. You have to know what the other what the other team's heroes yeah. powers are. Yeah, uh, you're useless if you don't know that Roadhog can hook you. You know, like you got to learn all that stuff, and uh, there, there's a learning curve because of that. Yeah. uh you know obviously you're still gonna get hooked occasionally but at least after you've played him a few matches you know that's potentially coming
2: yeah and it, yep. it, it you can go Cora. i'll finish up later the other one that pissed me off was the guy that turns into the like wheel oh junk rat <laughs> junk, junk rat yeah and uh man every time <laughs> that killed me like that pissed me off more than every time bastion killed me even though it was rare but like I think the area effect on that is a little too big.
1: Yeah. At least at least you it, can hear that coming though.
2: You can That's a good point. But and that's another problem... thing like you just have to you have to learn like your brain has yeah. to connect those neurons to say like okay, you're running around crazy shit's happening, but when you hear that sound, yep. you're
3: like, "Oh god."
2: Yeah, you got to got to keep your eyes open. Yeah.
3: Yeah, of course I'm with you cuz uh, Junkrat and Roadhog were some of the ones that <laughs> that bothered me. And the wheel was the same reason, because I played a lot of the offense heroes in the game, so they have a lot of, like, low hit points. And just, like, I heard that stupid wheel coming around the corner, and, like, I'm panicking trying to figure out where to run, and, of course, I run right into it, and then that makes me angrier. So, like, I, I get that. Yeah. 100%. Yeah. It, well, he'd... <laughs> I mean, it's really clever, but he'd go up on the top of
2: buildings, and then you'd hear it start up, and you'd look around and be like... I don't, I don't see, see it, it. <laughs> and then it land on your head and kill <laughs> like six of you or five of you, however many are on a team. Yeah, it's it's crazy, but again, like I, I do kind of like that. Yeah, but it annoys me to no end. He annoys me less than the Bastion. It just pissed me off more. Yeah, it was just, ugh.
1: My uh, my crux in playing Overwatch was uh, Hanzo, and you guys know about my hatred for Hanzo, but I don't know if I talked about it on the <laughs> podcast, but. Seriously, nine times out of ten, when I died in a match, I was killed by Hanzo. And I think I figured out that part of the reason it's hard to tell when he's shooting you with arrows, like harder than it is for, with Widowmaker, you know, he's a, he's a sniper like Widowmaker is. Uh, there's the bullet trail when, there's, when you're getting shot by, by Widowmaker, but Hanzo's arrows are, are stealth, you know, and a lot of times I couldn't even tell when I was getting hit by one. Uh, and then obviously if you get hit in the head, it's, it's a one-shot, one-kill. Um, at least they made his ultimate, like kind of easy to dodge. If you, if you see it coming, uh, the big, the dueling dragon thing. Yep. Um, cause if they made that hard too, like, ugh, Hanzo, God dang it.
3: <laughs> I, I love hearing like the, the, the heroes that bother, that like bother people. and yeah. Like always kill you. It's always funny cause it's a lot of different heroes. Oh know? yeah. Sure. It's entertaining to hear like what people are like, I hate this hero.
0: Yep.
1: No, nope. I got killed by Hanzo countless times. It's frustrating.
3: Which is funny because I think I died by Hanzo maybe like twice or three times. Yeah. Playing.
1: I wonder if it's it's the way I play. You know, like if I maybe I leave myself open to a, a Hanzo type of character. It'd be interesting to see like the breakdown of that.
3: Because I I play tracer, so it's really hard for Hanzo yeah. and Widowmaker to hit me. Sure. So. Because I, I, she's so mobile. Yeah, she's very hard to I, hit. So, like, but I guess that's sort of... And, then like, because I'm also... Um, play a lot of other offensive heroes. Like, i like moving as fast as I can to get through area to area and try to avoid, like, being... I don't know, one spot long enough, I guess. Yeah. So, Corey, are you going to get Overwatch? I don't think
2: so. No? Well, Tito brings up a good point in the chat. Uh, it's a way better game with a group of peeps, which is very true of... Sure. of a lot of things most games but uh I feel like in this one I would never play it without other people yeah. kind like of like here's the storm but at least here's the storm was free to play yeah uh I find myself I find it really hard to drop 40 dollars for this game that I had a mediocre time playing with Eric it was kind of funny cuz we were playing uh me Eric and and Johnny mm mm-hmm friend of the show johnny we're playing overwatch and then we're like you guys just want to play some rocket league and we switched to rocket league and we had infinitely more fun with the four or five games of rocket league that we played versus Mm -hmm. the the handful of uh overwatch games that we played Mm -hmm. and i'm not saying it's a bad game it just i did kind of start to enjoy it a little bit once i had some success with lucio and started to figure out a little bit more of the nuance of the game and like you do kind of have to change on the fly and you have to learn multiple characters and you have to hope that your team is able to change on the fly sure. and, and yep. rotate through multiple characters. Um, but I just... I didn't enjoy it enough to, to drop $40 on it and I probably it, wouldn't play it enough to make that, that worth the money. Sure.
3: Here's sort of what I equated it as. It's a shooter. So that shooter rage that everybody has comes out when we play it. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because like... Everybody gets annoyed in shooters, I think. Because it's it's probably the most competitive, like, online game, really, other than a sports game.
2: Oh, I mean, I can totally see the appeal for people who like competitive online shooters. I'm just not one of those people, so it's just not...
1: I'm not not either, but I love Overwatch.
2: Love it. I,
3: I find that crazy. I do think that if you don't like shooters overwatch might be your best shot at liking yeah. a shooter i guess competitive
2: well, online shooter well here's i mean overwatch the... yeah for somebody who doesn't like
3: shooters yeah. yeah i think it has more than other shooters
2: yeah
1: I, I i think what it has for me and i've talked about this uh, one of the reasons why i like halo um is because you can kind of tailor in halo you can kind of tailor your equipment and stuff to your to your playstyle, your abilities and stuff that you That you have, and and that's kind of how Overwatch works. You pick a character that's tailored more towards your, you know, your your play style, uh, if you Mm. will. Um,
2: I don't know, Dan. I think uh, Halo is a bad comparison to draw for that. I think Overwatch is infinitely more tailorable to to your playstyle. Oh, sure, definitely. But that
1: that was why I preferred Halo over like a Call of Duty.
2: Doesn't Call of Duty have more loadout options than Halo?
1: Not really. It's still like shooting the head, you know. Like Halo, early Halo, I should specify. You know, later Halo's a little a little faster, but uh, you know, you had your shield, so you could take a few hits. Uh, you know, a lot of different gun options. Uh, the science fictiony stuff, you know, is enough to yeah. to make a big a big difference. Sticky grenades, all that stuff that you wouldn't get away with in uh, in a Call of Duty.
3: Also, vehicles are a big thing in Halo. Sure uh yeah it's for me it's vehicles
2: and survivability uh hmm. i mean overwatch does give you some survivability options we talked about with lucio and i think that's why playing lucio helped me enjoy that game a little bit uh there are no vehicles although that would be fun to have
3: maybe you'd like tracer cory
2: we'll see i mean i'm not i i i would feel left out if like you guys were all playing one night and i didn't have it i'd be like oh man but I I don't know. There are games I liked more that I haven't dropped $40 on or, sure. you know.
1: Yeah. Uh, one other quick thing I wanted to talk about with Overwatch, and, Will, you can talk about this, uh, differences between the console version and the PC version. Um, yeah. Obviously, graphically, uh, graphically they're pretty similar, apparently. Uh, frame rate's obviously better on PC. Uh, but Paul Tassy wrote a good article, Pros and Cons of the Console Versions, uh and one of the things he said he said what i thought was funny was uh the console players uh picked you know uh interesting hero makeups they, they didn't quite have the the concept of a good team build uh really like didn't. pc players <laughs> who you know are more used to are more familiar with like moba type of games Ooh. um but uh, will you can talk about a little bit about that we talked about that this weekend but yeah. i'll let you go ahead
3: yeah, I played a couple games on PS4 because one of my good friends is getting it for PS4 so I'm like kind of testing it out to see if I'm going to end up getting it or not but um, so I played a couple matches online and one of them was a payload and I kid you not, the other team picked three Reapers <laughs> and didn't leave the starting zone and just fired bullets at us from the safe area to try and kill us but didn't go out and like openly confront us, except one guy who was Lucio <laughs> was trying, <laughs> trying to, do to defend stuff. on his own, yeah, for the team, trying to push the payload just himself, so like we're killing him, and they are like not leaving the, the starting area, just like trying to kill us, and it was it was hilarious, and, like they weren't playing objectives, they were playing the same hero, like three or four were the same heroes on a team, like just not grasping the concept of yeah like the the team-based shooter that it is and like my favorite character to play is tracer tracer because of the mobility and stuff like that and just i love messing with people with games and she's like the mess with people character in the game and i was trying to play her and i just couldn't get the the feel of it on console very well because like the aiming doesn't feel as as good as a keyboard and mouse i've always preferred shooters with keyboard and mouse anyway so, like, when I go to shooters on, like, a console, it feels really weird to me. So, like, I was having that issue. And, like, trying to blink and, like, aim was so much harder with a controller. So, I don't know if I'll be able to play Tracer on on the PS4 version. Mm-hmm. So, there like, there's a lot of, like, small... There, I can see people who don't have a PC getting this. Like, I think it's a fine port for the most part. Um, it's just, like, getting used to using the controller because everybody's, like, abilities are mapped differently on the controller too which yeah. is like a weird thing i used the controller quite a bit did you i switched back and forth
2: yeah you're a brave man um you are a brave man i think it depends on the character obviously yeah, sure yeah you know? it's a little bit easier using a character like lucio with the controller and maybe like a Widowmaker or something yeah yeah
1: now i ran into some people not doing the objective too um Probably two or three matches I ran, and there's people going out trying to improve their kill death. Uh, but I don't think that's going to be a common thing.
2: Is that stat even tracked?
1: Uh, you have eliminations and deaths.
2: But there's uh, no, there's like, no kill death ratio. I don't think so. Not that I readout. saw.
1: Not that I saw. So I don't think that that type of player is going to stick stick with the game. Or if they do stick with it, they'll they'll learn. Because I was all, all about winning, uh, even if I had to play a character that I wasn't good as, if they would help the team in any way, I would, I would be them, you know. Yeah. So, good stuff though. Yeah, can't, no, can't it's wait. a
3: good game, and I'm be interested to see what like changes Blizzard does from all of the people because, as I said, there was a lot of complaining, valid and not valid. So it'd be interesting to see what they pick to be like the stuff that they fix for the final release of the game.
1: I just hope it works when it launches. That's my. That's my thing.
3: I think I'm thinking it will because if it works so well for the open beta, yeah, because it didn't go down right. No, I, ha- I had no fun. issues.
1: Well, we thought that about Diablo three. Yeah, which that didn't was... work for like a week, wasn't it, or two yeah. weeks?
3: Really, it was like it was like yeah, it was didn't work for like a week and a half. That's right. Remember you
2: logged in and it was like a two hour queue. No, yeah. I like
1: <laughs> I couldn't. It wasn't even that. Like I couldn't. Uh, that was uh, Knights of the Old Republic. Was the two-hour, three-hour, five-hour queues? Uh, Diablo had the is era, 30 era thirty-seven, That's and right. people just couldn't couldn't connect for the longest time.
3: You couldn't stream more than like an hour of playing like together. Yeah, I, th- down so I think often. it
1: was like a week that it was it was in rough shape before they got their crap Honest, together.
3: Honestly, the game didn't get good until like at least a year after.
2: Yeah, I made my sixty-seven cents off of it though, and I'm thrilled. <laughs> nice.
1: Uh, so that's all I played Uh, Corey let's hear about Stellaris 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 Stellaris.
2: so I've been having a little bit of a grand strategy crisis a little bit because I recently played Civ 5 with all the expansions like everything and uh, played one match and I'm like I don't think I'll ever play this again And I found myself sort of questioning, like, what does the grand strategy genre mean to me? And do I even like it anymore? I've always been into strategy games, uh, starting with, like, an Age of Empires kind of thing. Mm -hmm. Or even going back to the SNES, uh, like Utopia, I guess you could consider a strategy game, which is a great game. But uh, I was hesitant to play Stellaris, having tried Crusader Kings and not being able to penetrate that shell um but i like space uh love master of orion too, one of my favorite games of all time so i figured i'd give it a shot uh so (laughs) (laughs) i picked my civ and you start i guess civ is the way to phrase it but it's more like race uh and i was started off as the united nations of earth as close to home as i could get and they give you these things called governing ethics which are basically uh your empire's traits like in civilization your your leader has traits that carry on throughout the game uh and the governing ethics for the united nations of earth from what i understand they're they're random when you start the game um but this is what it gave me xenophile and fanatic individualist and the fanatic individualist description reads we must recognize that society is but a convenient fiction the byproduct of individuals working toward parallel overlapping and contradictory goals as it should be Which sounds very human. Sure. You know, capitalist, I guess, almost. Uh, You know, everybody working towards one, their own good that happens to work for the greater good kind of thing. So I was the United Nations of Earth. uh, And it does the it's a 4X game exploration, exploit, expand, exterminate. So right off the bat, you are given a science ship and a construction ship. And you use that those ships to explore, uh, starting with the solar system around you. So I took my science ship, and uh, they give you a they give you quests, uh, especially when you're doing the tutorial, like tutorial based quests. And it says the first one is to explore the system and survey all the planets and everything. And there are moons, like the popular moons like uh, Titan, Titan, are, are part of the solar system. Mm. Um, a couple others, Europa. That I can't remember top of my head i think europa's in there uh so you send your ship out your science ship and it surveys all the planets uh but there's also like quests that tie in to those planets like you'll survey a planet and there will be an anomaly on there and you can investigate the anomaly and that might lead to another quest uh there's a lot going on in this game so bear, bear with me so your leader is fluid throughout the game, at least for the United Nations of Earth that I was. Uh, their government-style. There's elections every five years, I think it was. And the rulers themselves have different traits. So the current ruler I have in my game is uh, her trait is warlike, which means the ship and army costs are decreased. So I get that little benefit. So I've been spending a, a lot of resources on building up a fleet of ships that I didn't worry about before. Um, and that election... Happens. It's democratic republic, kind of like we have elected representatives that we trust to choose our leaders for us. Um, but that's from a pool of all your leaders. You have science leaders. You have admirals that are head heads of your ship, and then there's uh, governors that govern your planets. And your leader is based on on one of those characters, and it pulls the, that character from you know your science or your ship or whatever. But Influence is a resource in the game and you can use your influence to nudge the election in one direction or the other. Uh, But when a leader is elected, you have they have mandates. They'll say like, "Okay, uh, I'm going to mandate that we're going to build four mining colonies during my term as leader. So if you do that, you earn a bunch of. Uh, influence points that you can use As currency for other things So that's just like and that's just a very small Part of the, the governing aspect of The game so the exploit Aspect of the 4x installaris uh, Mining and research stations Every planet moon Whatever that sun that you survey Has some sort of resource Attached to it and depending on the Type of resource you can build a mining station or a Research station to increase your currency it's sort of like building a farm in, in Civilization. If there's a plot of land that's fertile, you build a farm on it, you get more food. In Stellaris, if you build a mining station around a uh, sun that has or star, I should say that has uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Minerals. Uh, you will that will be added to your monthly allotment of minerals, and that's what the the resources are based on is monthly amounts. Uh, also, there's planet management, and that's sort of uh, the civilization like putting populations on tiles. So, once you go to a planet, it has a certain number of tiles associated with it, and you can build buildings on those tiles to get certain resources. Um, and then you put a population, you sign a population person to it to get more out of it. So, there's that. Uh, there's also edicts you can put on a planet, and edicts are bought with those influence points I was talking about from before. One of the ones I use a lot of is the Land of Opportunity Edict. So on Earth, I institute the Land of Opportunity Edict, which increases migration to the planet by 100%. So all the species that I'm allied with or have some sort of agreement with, migration agreement, um, it increases their migration to my planet by 100%. And that's at the cost of your influence points. So there's that. There's also Empire-wide edicts, which uh, are like a basic monthly influence cost. So there's one called Information Quarantine. So if I click on that, it costs me one influence point a month. And what it does is that it prevents people from diverging on their own ethics uh, due to outside influence. So if there's a sieve nearby that has different ethics to yours, those people your people can be influenced by that. But if you did something like the empire wide uh, information quarantine, they're less likely to be, a, you know, to, to turn coat, I guess would be the best way to phrase it. One thing I really like about the game is that it's really well, well, well written and they give you uh, at least early on in the game. From what I understand later on in the game, this sort of disappears, but they give you really compelling short-term and long-term goals so, like, a long, long-term long goal that I stumbled on was I was surveying planets, and I got this thing called, uh, this quest called Mass Extinction Through the Ages. And what it is is that it wants me to scan different types of planets, and it lists a bunch of them. Uh, noc- noxious, noxious, or however you pronounce that. Noxious. Noxious planet. Noxious. Burned, noxious. burned planet, broken planet, chilly planet, and desolate planet. Uh, and it wants me to s- find those in the Milky Way Galaxy and scan them, with the idea being that these planets were not always that way, and what was the, the calamity that caused them to be that way, so you can sort of...
1: The Reapers.
2: It's a, yeah, the Reapers, sure. Uh, so you can avoid that for your own civilization kind of thing. So I found a couple of them so far. I'm still searching the galaxy for all. But that's an example of a long-term goal. A short-term goal could just be something as simple as, and it's to guide you in the, the right direction. It could be like, make sure you have uh, plus 10 energy resources a month and, and plus 30 mineral resources a month. And then once you hit that point, it will complete the quest for you. Uh, so early on, I quickly surveyed all my my uh, planets and moons in earth is solar system and then alpha centauri is the next closest one and then you send your ship out there to start scanning and then it just kind of grows from there uh and eventually you build colony ships and start settling other other planets um all the while expanding your borders meeting other alien races it kind of worked out that the closest alien race to me shared my governing ethics um they were also fanatic individualists which meant our relationship was immediately really good just because we shared that commonality between our governments, uh, which went a long way in, in building uh, a friendship with that other race. Um, but early on, I, I didn't bother with my space fleet at all because I had a, a good friend nearby, no enemies within sight. But what 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 happened because of that was space pirates popped up. Oh. Yeah. They were my own people that turned into space pirates, and they started pillaging my mining stations, uh, which is a major hit to my resources. So I had to deal with them, um, which was kind of a pain. But the uh, going back to my point before about how it's well-written, there's uh, some really interesting quests that pop up when you're surveying planets with your science ship. You'll see an anomaly, and then it's like its own little side quest. And then you'll send your science ship to investigate it, and it will say, like... You can investigate this, but there's a risk. And the risk could be, you know, you lose, uh, your ship takes damage, or every science ship has a scientist who is one of your leaders aboard, and potentially they could die. And they tell you that early on in the game. And I came across this one, I don't know how familiar you guys are with um, the Serenity Firefly series.
0: Yeah. I've
2: but seen a l- little bit. There's uh, There was this one quest that I found, it was like a derelict ship out in the middle of nowhere that was just floating, no energy to it or anything. And uh, I went to investigate it, and it said, okay, you can investigate this, but there's a 15% risk of failure. I was like, 15? That's pretty small. But my ship had my best scientist, five-star scientist aboard. Um, and I investigated it, and it said, like, oh, this ship, uh, these you don't really know what happened, but... It's like space madness had taken over the ship and people lost their minds and killed themselves or something like that. Uh, and that was the result of the quest. And I was like, oh, that's fine. But a little bit later on, like a couple months later, my ship with that investigated that ship with my best scientist on it went mad. Oh, It's almost like that madness spread to their ship and the ship blew up and I lost my best scientist because of that.
3: Huh. That's pretty cool.
2: Yeah, and there's a lot of stuff like that. Um, and that's the best part of the game. But from what I understand that stuff all disappears once you get to the mid game. Once you've explored, uh it's just a grind after that. And that was
1: It's all uh it's all diplomacy after that, right? Like uh dealing with the other
2: races. Yes, but from what I understand, uh I haven't really gotten to that point. I'm I'm almost to that point. The Artificial intelligence is so bad that the diplomacy is no fun.
0: Okay.
1: And
2: I kind of saw that a little bit. I talked about the uh, the civilization that was nearby me. They were an avian species, uh, the Mythfell Concord, they were called. And right away, like I said, we, we shared governing traits, so we had a good relationship off the bat. And I offered them open borders for civilians only, because you can offer open borders for military um, civilians and something else I can't remember. And I just offered them for civilians so that we could survey each other's planets just for that exploration purpose. Uh, So I offered them open borders. That was the only thing I offered for me and from them, and they refused it. But only a few short months months later, they offered me a full alliance. Which makes no sense. They weren't at war with anybody. You know, there was no reason for them to do that. And just... couple months before that they refused open borders for civilians
1: so it's almost like it's random
2: it seems Hmm. and not the only one to compare the complaint about that i ended up accepting the alliance and it was kind of cool because once we were allies they called our collective civilizations the celestial concord oh nice sounds really awesome yeah and then eventually like if you team up with a bunch of people it could become a federation and then you have Federation-specific ships, almost like the United uh, the United Nations on Earth kind of thing. Like, they team up and they pool the best leaders from each sieve and put them onto a ship. And they're, like, really effective, from what I understand. Um, so that's cool. Huh. But the, the AI to get there, I don't know, just makes makes no sense. Okay. And also what happens mid-game is that you're forced to sector off portions of your empire to be controlled by artificial intelligence governor which is kind of good and bad because it eliminates some of the micromanagement from the game for you but it eliminates some of the micromanagement from the game for you yeah and the, the ign review i, I read um will quote here he said uh this is i forget the name of the the reviewer uh he gave it a 6.3 the yeah. ign review is a uk guy um he wrote, sectors take the best part of Stellaris, planet management, and turn it into nothing. They don't do anything except contribute resources. I guess it, like, maybe if you're playing on a massive map with however many stars, uh, it could be helpful. But like he said, like, one of the best things about Stellaris is the planet management something that would carry on throughout the whole game, like instituting edicts and putting governors on the planet and building certain buildings and putting population units on them and moving population units between all the planets. Uh, it takes all that away, yeah. and all you get is just resources.
1: Yeah, that's frustrating too because, I mean, we and we've talked about this before, one of the good things we liked about Civ Five was your ability to micromanage or just macromanage as much as you wanted Yep. Uh, so, and, and that was one of the cool things about it. If you wanted to really get down into the nitty gritty and, and micromanage every single city of yours, you could, even if you had a huge empire mm-hmm. and that's some of the, that's fun for, for a lot of people that play that type of game, you know?
2: Absolutely. Um, my other, so that's like the, basically how the game works. Uh, one of my yeah. biggest issues with the game though, cause I haven't seen that mid game slog yet. I'm not quite there. So far, it's been very good. Uh, but my biggest issue with the game so far is the space immersion. One of the reasons I love space games is because I love, like, seeing outer space. But they don't do much graphically to immerse you in space. Uh, the galaxy map is pretty boring. And even within, like, certain star systems, it's pretty boring, the art style. And even when you have, like, pop-ups from quests and stuff like that, they reuse the same graphic over and over and over again that it's just not interesting like you'll discover a new species but it'll be the same graphic as the last five species you discovered Hmm. which isn't very exciting you know yeah it's like well why does this one look exactly the same as the other one sure i don't know um but like I said, the the early game stuff and the writing is so good, and the the spacey stuff they come up with is so clever. Like I discovered a species that is uh, synthetic, but they raise organic slaves wow. to like <laughs> run their ships. It's really cool. Like it's that kind of stuff. That's uh-huh. it's fascinating. Um, but again, from what I understand, that stuff sort of disappears mid game, and it's just just a slog. And the IGN review I talked about, he gave it a 6.3. People, I guess, reacted very angrily towards that review. Yeah. In Paradox... Excuse me, Paradox actually issued a statement today. Was it today?
1: Yeah, I think it was this morning.
2: Uh, In response to that, basically standing up for the IGN reviewer and saying he's well-equipped, he's played a lot of our games, um, and he said in his review he played multiple 20-hour sessions of of Stellaris, so... Though they disagreed with him, they stood up for him, which sure. is nice. Yeah. Um, but also, what I've seen a lot of people note is that Paradox does not give up on their games.
1: No, no, they don't.
2: So maybe we'll see a lot of interesting things added that uh, sort of eliminate that that painful slog through the middle of the game. I guess sure. end game stuff is really interesting too. I haven't gotten to that point.
1: Uh, to you to bring up Crusader Kings two again. Um, one of their, one of the complaints about it was the, the Mongol invasions, uh, are so powerful, like, you know, kind of early-ish game, like the 1100s, um, that to balance that, that's why they came out with the, the Aztec invasions from the West, because the East was so decimated, um, you know, it kind of left the, the central, uh, Eastern Central Europe kind of kind of decimated, uh, right ripe right for conquest from from the West. Yeah, uh, that they use the the Aztec invasions, which I know are not historical, but they use that as like a counterbalance to the Mongol invasions.
2: I don't think this game is as deep as Crusader Kings Two, <laughs> but I, I could be wrong. I don't know that any so game is as deep as Crusader like up Kings my Two. I picked up on this one pretty quickly. Granted, the tutorial. Uh, stuff is is far better right. than anything I saw in Crusader Kings too, so maybe that has something to do with it.
0: Yeah. Okay.
1: I definitely want to try it.
2: Yeah, it it's good. It's so far, you know. I haven't I haven't seen the bad stuff yet, so
1: right. Okay. Did you play anything else, Corey? I don't think so. All right, William.
3: Hi. What do you got? Um. I played a little Uncharted 4. Now, I said I wasn't going to talk too much about it because we're doing an episode on it next week. So I'll just say that I really like it so far. Um, Uncharted, I, somebody in the chat said this, that the other Uncharted didn't really look that interesting. And I'm kind of in an agreement with that. I've never been interested in Uncharted. But playing the fourth one so far, I'm like super interested um in it and it's it's a lot of fun i really like uh there was like this moment in the early game where you got to play crash bandicoot (laughs) the first level of crash bandicoot what Uh. and it 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 was it was like a cutscene, and you got to control it uh and it was so cool like i don't know nathan
2: drake hanging out at home and you played his playstation or something
3: yeah he was talking to his wife and he said he could beat his wife's score nice and that's what he did. Um, it's just its so much fun so far. And, like, technically, this game is just super impressive. Just, like, the the environments. Like, all the environments have been super different and whatnot. And I don't know what's going on with the characters because I don't know who's been in past games and who's not. So, like, I'm trying to figure that all out. But, like, I'm super into the story right now and, and like, what the what has to happen and why like nathan drake has to get back into like treasure hunting so the, the basis of the story is like he's retired from doing the treasure hunting and all the adventures and whatnot and like this one he has to get back into it and huh, that's like nice. that's the gist of it and like there's a moment when he's in his like his like uh office area and he's looking at all the treasure that he's collected throughout the the other games i'm assuming they're from the other games it's like, it's all really cool, and, like, it makes me want to go back and play the old ones, and I looked at the Uncharted collection and saw I could get it for 30 which doesn't seem too bad of a deal, um, so I'm kind of interested in doing that. I don't know if I'll like the other ones as much, and I don't know if, like, the Rise of the Tomb Raider helped me like these games more, because that game was super awesome, and it's in the same sort of vein as that. But, um, yeah, I really, really am liking Uncharted so far. I'm going to try and have it beat by next week, so... I can have a lot more of an opinion on it. Nice. But yeah, so that's uh, Uncharted 4. I... What was I going to say? Oh, I played Diablo 3. I did my first season character. Wow. Which I've never done before. Uh, So basically, me and Johnny said, let's do Diablo 3. Uh, because I started playing Diablo 2 again with my friends and we did a little bit of Diablo 3 and then we said, I don't want to level up to 70 right now. So we got onto somebody to power level us. So we got our characters to level 70 and now we're doing the the like grinding for gear and whatnot. What? Because I've never done that and I really want a cool looking wizard.
1: Nice.
3: Yeah. You nerd. <laughs> Diablo 3 is a really good game. <laughs>
2: Yeah, I, I still need to go back to it. I got to get the expansion first, though.
3: Me too. Um, I'm kind of wondering if they're going to do another expansion for Diablo 3, because it's been two years since the last one. Oh, yeah. We'll get another one. Um, which I was really surprised they haven't announced anything, and they kind of reset the story, So because like, all the primevals at the end are like set free again. So, like, there's going to be a Diablo 4, basically.
0: Not
1: for another ten years.
3: Do you know what's interesting about, like, the old, like, Blizzard franchises that were, like, the big three were StarCraft, World of Warcraft, and Diablo? It's weird, because StarCraft, as they said, is in, like, indefinite, like, I don't know, like, they're not doing anything with it right now. Yeah. Um, After Legacy of the Void, World of Warcraft is losing a ton of subscribers and whatnot, and not doing as well as it once was. So, like, Diablo 3 is, like, the only one that's, like, still trucking along. Yeah.
1: And Overwatch is coming out soon
3: yeah then there's the new ones like hearthstone and overwatch and heroes of the storm that are making them all the money right now yeah um i just thought it was interesting that like the the big three franchises weren't doing as well as their newer ones are seem to be doing
1: i want to see warcraft 4 not world of warcraft yeah i want want another uh, (laughs) real-time strategy warcraft game
3: I think they said that they're not opposed to doing another RTS Warcraft, but I could be wrong. Maybe they said they weren't going to do another Warcraft 4 unless they figured out something <laughs> gameplay wise. They'll do it. They'll
2: definitely do it. Are you kidding me?
1: You you know how giddy people would be when, if, oh my if God. when they announced Warcraft 4?
3: I'd be one
2: of them. Yeah, me
1: too. I'm, I'm, job's I'm, I'm
3: done. <laughs> I'm giddy for the new Warhammer game, Dawn of War, and I don't even really care about Dawn of War yeah. that much. So I'd be all for Warcraft 4. Maybe that's what they're going to do, because StarCraft 4 is like on, or StarCraft series is on hiatus, sort sure. of. Maybe that's what the RTS team will do. Yeah. Um, am trying to think of what else I played this week. A lot of Fire Emblem revelations. I, I, I could do a Fire Emblem podcast. <laughs> that's I've good decided. Stuff.
2: Well, by all means, you can do one and just publish it on YouTube.
3: I would need another person. Ah, Probably Dan.
2: I'm not the one. Honestly, of all the games we've talked about this year, when you guys talk about Fire Emblem, I get so bored. <laughs> I understand it. It's
1: one you have to play.
2: Yeah, it's definitely not one that listening to people talk about no. is any fun.
1: No, I agree. I agree with that.
2: I,
3: like I said, as soon as I have Revelations bi I'm going to like have you take my 3DS, and you can play, I have all three games, so you can play any of the stories that you want. Let me ask you, Corey. Which one are you interested in
2: out of all the three? I don't. I don't really care. Any of them. Well,
1: he should probably start with uh, birthright, right?
2: That's what I was. I was thinking. Whichever one gives the biggest fire emblem experience.
3: Uh, Conquest, then. It's not. Did you like? You like? Did you like Awakening a lot? Yeah. Then you you'd like birthright then probably
2: conquest is not
1: for the faint of heart
3: yeah i don't care about that i don't need a challenge
1: yeah birthright would probably be the best bet then
3: yeah um oh dan i did want to tell you when you do revelations i'm Uh. gonna give you a tip give make elise a dark falcon okay all right okay um because if you buy the games they give you the different scrolls uh, oh gotcha through uh, you know that like crystal ball, that random crystal yeah. ball. That's yeah. a new thing. You just go there, and that's how you get all of that stuff. Okay. Um. So yeah, make her a dark falcon because pretty awesome. Nice. All right. Trying to think of what else. Uh. Played Uncharted. Played Diablo. Played Overwatch. And that's about it, I guess.
1: Okay. Uh, shall we do feedback? Sure. All right. Uh, This is from Idaho Jake, who says, Sorry, guys, for the absence, but I've been overworked and underpaid, so I'm looking for a better job. Well done. Nothing wrong with that. I really hope Dan and Corey record a spoiler cast after the show on Game of Thrones. Uh, Corey? Yep. Let's do it. I'm in. All right. Uh, All I will say is Uncharted is a buy in this guy's eyes. Now for the question, what game made you go, Oh, shit, this game made me a gamer? For me, uh, I was on and off gaming until I discovered Elder Scrolls games. Well, thanks, fellas, and get out of my email.
2: Elder Scrolls is a good pick for that. I remember uh, when I wasn't playing very many games and Skyrim came out, I went to the midnight release, and then I spent the whole day playing it the next day. Yeah, uh, yeah, that's that's a good pick. I mean... Before that, like I would spend countless hours playing EverQuest. Uh, before that, like I can remember pl- staying up all night to play Legend of Zelda, uh, for Super Nintendo. What was the subtitle a link for to that? to the one? past. Yeah. Oh man. Even before that, like Super Mario World was one that really had me hooked. Uh there's there's a ton of games I could I could point to.
1: I've really been like, I would say a gamer since the beginning. Like, I remember going to our neighbor's house and playing Mario for the first time, and I was hooked then. I knew that I, you know, games, video games were going to be my thing. Uh, It was a little harder when we were younger because we didn't have uh, access to all the all the games and stuff we have now as as adult. You
2: know. Um, Do you remember when little guy let us borrow his PlayStation? Oh yeah. And Crash Bandicoot being one of the games, speaking of.
1: I I think we, did we rent Final Fantasy Tactics at that point? That That was the first first time we played it. We rented it from the local Video King. Yeah. Um, But probably, it would probably be a game like, um, that really solidified my gaming was Final Fantasy VI, I would have to say. Um, One of my friends got that when it launched. His mom brought it home. She she went and got it for him uh, after she got out of work, and I was there. Uh, waiting for it with him Um, and uh, I fell in love with that game like immediately that's kind of what I don't know made me decide that uh, you know as a little bit older of a person that gaming was going to be my thing you know yeah Uh, I love the characters I love the story I I sat with him as he played like the first four hours of the game or something like that it was good stuff Scram by the way of remember. course man the myth <laughs> legend yeah. episode
2: 13? 13
1: i think it was
2: <laughs> we gotta have him back on
3: soon yeah, we really do know.
2: it's kind of funny though uh, i feel like it's one of those the uh, the apprentice has surpassed his master kind of thing you know like
1: oh sure yeah he definitely doesn't do do as much i know he still plays a lot of games but probably not as much as we do
2: no we're crazy that's why we're such big losers.
1: <laughs> the amount of hours I spent on some of the games i played this year, like, already.
2: <laughs> hours and money.
1: Hours and money, yep.
2: I'd I take that question a, a step further and ask, like, what game was it that made you, like, appreciate games beyond just being a, like, entertainment hobby?
3: I got a couple.
1: Like, I hesitate
2: to use the word, like, appreciate games as an art form, because... People get all pissy when I say that, but sure. I think it's a important question. So I had this uh, conversation with some people the other day about like uh, video games having this stigma. Oh of yeah, me, you know, and and I I got really I actually got a little annoyed, uh, but that's typical with, with me when it comes to games, like how sure. games are are so uh, at least popularly hated that stigma that they're hated um but yet those same people watch really bad tv yeah and like somehow that's more acceptable yeah uh but you can't like you can't sit there and say like no there's some like really interesting games that are creative and and
1: just try playing to the moon without weeping at the end of it just try Yeah. yeah you're dead inside if you don't cry
2: at the end of that game would you point to that, Dan, as, as that, your game that honest, pushed games uh, to another level?
1: Uh, probably a little bit. I don't know that I had ever like wept playing a video game to that point. Uh, yeah. I got a little like starry-eyed when uh, Final Fantasy VII, a certain character dies. If you hadn't, if you haven't <laughs> played that, spoiler from what 15 years ago, or yeah, when a when a certain character kills another character, you know, you get you get sad and starry-eyed, but uh like i legitimately cried like a baby at the end of uh to the moon legitimately cried like a baby
2: that's a good that's a good example and
1: there's other games that do that now like uh um that dragon cancer is apparently supposed to be a very sad game um you know Corey, you played that has its moments yeah Yeah.
2: wouldn't recommend it but it has its moments sure
1: yeah I would, ben. Yeah, I would hold up to the moon as, as up there in uh, Game Changers.
2: Will?
3: Okay, so answering the first question? Yeah, answer answer Jake's question, question,
2: and then I'm curious for science. Okay,
3: so for moments that I realized that I'm a gamer, um, one of them would be when I was little, and I was playing games like Age of Empires 2, uh, Unreal Tournament 1999. And Final Fantasy Tactics at, like, a very young age. And, like, understanding the dialogue and, like, gameplay and how to command armies at the age of, like, two or three. And typing Torpedo. Yeah. Like, so I could cheat in Age of Empires. You were pretty young. Um, but, like, as I got older, I didn't... It's hard to explain because, like, I didn't lose the playing video games until the podcast. But, like, I played a lot less than... I ever have so like when I realized like I was a gamer when I played through like the Call of Duty World at War as much as I did and then uh, playing like the Mass Effect series and Fallout 3 like Fallout 3 is another example because I didn't have an Xbox 360 at the time or a computer that could play Fallout and I beat Fallout 3 on Dan's Xbox like three times I beat it on your Xbox Corey a couple times and like I beat it on my sister's when I would stay at her apartment. Like, I had beaten that game probably, like, eight or nine times on the 360. And then when I got my own, like, I beat it a couple times. Mass like, Effect's that was... a
2: good choice, for sure.
3: And realizing that, like, video games uh, made you appreciate video games more, uh, to your question, Corey. Like, one of the moments that I always remember uh, is a lot of Mass Effect 3, actually. Like, when Morden dies, mm. and he's, like, up in the tower doing the singing the song, which, like brings you back to Mass Effect 2 and, like, all the, like, times you had with Morden and then him sacrificing himself for the greater good and whatnot. And then, like, when Thane died, who was one of my favorite characters from Mass Effect, like, that scene where his son's in there and you're in there and, like, they do that prayer. Like, like what a, like, a beautifully shot scene that they did in that game. And, like, yeah. that was, like, a moment that I was, like, this is, like, my favorite character who's dying and, like, he's... Has to be me. Someone else might have got it wrong. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> And and that's like a triple A game that's made by like hundreds of people, and it's not even like the indie games, which there's a ton of indie games like To the Moon that like have had that effect that you know that this is bigger than just like a stupid video game. Like I think Life is Strange is another game that has a really good message and story arc in it that I still remember and I still tell people to play.
1: Well, That's just it. Like you know, I think it's uh, kind of elitist and prickish to say like that video games don't tell valid stories. I think in a lot of cases the stories they tell are better than a story you sit and watch on it on a TV. Uh be be because you're part of the you're part of the story. You're not passively sitting and watching something. You are yep. the you know you are experiencing the story as it happens um from the perspective of the main character, whoever that may be, or the character that you yourself create.
2: Yeah. Exactly. And that's an why to answer my own question a little bit, I always point to games like Uh, flower and journey from that game company braid and limbo are perfect examples like they combine uh video gaming and like the unique in terms of storytelling the unique aspect that video games have in that you are controlling that and what does it mean to be controlling the character and how that relates to the broader message of the game and i think those games are, are really good examples of that
3: I've always been, I've been saying for a few years now that I think video games are like the highest form of art. Yeah. Cause it's all because the others think... combined.
1: It's everything combined. Exactly.
3: Exactly. Uh... Like music who, which I like music is a big part of like my life cause I listen to it so much and like storytelling is like a big part of it and like, v- like visuals and whatnot. And like it, video games is everything into one. Yeah. So like, I don't know. I've always thought it's like the highest form of art. I could sit there and uh play uh
2: sixty stupid hours of Stardew Valley, but for some reason the two hours of Kardashian is uh more culturally acceptable than my stardew valley yep <laughs> i don't I don't know I really don't
3: whatever it's yeah. just like I'd rather play sixty hours of Stardew Valley than sit you'll, down and want study for a biology test.
1: You'll never convince those people to get out of their own asses you just won't
3: and honestly though i th- I feel like a lot of them
2: would admit that they'd be like i don't i don't get it i'll never get it i'm gonna watch my shows and that's way better than your stupid little games that you play and sure. like the only thing you can do is be like well eventually you'll all die off you know it's the case with anything yeah you know, like eventually you'll all die off and opinions will change and you know the stigma will sure will fade yeah because yeah. i
1: mean I, I you know uh gaming only became a thing like since we were younger and uh it's only gotten more popular as time has gone on you know uh the amount of people that have never played a video game uh is is getting smaller so
3: do you know good chat yeah that was good anything else i do have one thing
1: let's hear it uh
2: savage in the chat Savage RL yes. of Rocket League fame.
0: Oh,
1: yeah.
2: We were chatting earlier about Final Fantasy a little bit, and uh, he had never played uh-huh. a Final Fantasy game. And I kind of postulated, like, at this point in time, what is the Final Fantasy game you recommend to people to get into Final Fantasy? <laughs> and my knee-jerk reaction was, I don't think there is one. No.
1: No, no, I think you you missed the boat. I mean, not saying you can't go back and enjoy like a six or a seven or tactics, but I feel like in a lot, uh, in our case, like a lot of what, why we still love those games is nostalgia, you know? Uh, I, I, I mean, I think they hold up to a certain extent, but um, if you're not, and none of the more recent Final Fantasy games are, are very good.
2: No. Um well that's so. why I, the first question I asked is are you into like retro game like vintage games, sixteen sure. uh, bit RPGs and
1: Earthbound, that sort like, of thing.
2: I no, I've never never really played those. So for somebody like that, it's like, well, what Final Fantasy do you recommend to them? I mean, seven is really I mean it's good, but it's so outdated at this point.
1: It even feels I, more outdated than six.
2: Yeah, definitely.
1: I, it doesn't hold up say, as well as six, I don't think.
3: I'd say if we like decide on seven to just wait for the remake yeah maybe type zero it's like the (laughs) the end of final fantasy at this point the problem
1: with type zero is like if you're uh you know if you're gaming on a pc you to 60 frames per second going back to playing on 30 is awful it's an eyesore
3: i mean maybe
2: tactics on on your mobile
1: tactics on mobile is a good choice because that's something you know you would play when you're not when you don't have the the option to play anything else you yeah. know you're uh, forced that's to... that's usually when you would play a mobile game when you're sitting on the toilet pooping or uh you know wait, waiting yeah waiting in a doctor's office or whatever uh you're right that and that one is one of the ones that plays decently with touchscreen controls Whereas I don't think, like, uh, 6 plays very well with touchscreen controls because you have to constantly hold your hand on the screen to move around and stuff. That one's turn-based. You know, it's tap, 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 tap. So that, you're probably right. That would probably be the best one. It's expensive, though. Um, if you want to get into that, wait for a sale. Um, occasionally they'll have it for, like, 50% off.
2: Yeah, Square Square's pretty good about their their sales yep. for those games. Sure.
1: They happen
2: yeah. every now and no. again. no
1: that's that's a good good point Corey. uh tactic final fantasy tactics on mobile ios or android
2: but even yeah. even that's kind of a departure from the standard sure. final fantasy series you sure. know? yeah so even that isn't really a great choice final fantasy 9 on mobile is reviewing relatively well oh is it yeah
1: yeah i mean that was it was a good yeah. one
3: it's it's really hard to just recommend <laughs> one because I don't want them to play it and then hate it. <laughs> yeah,
1: especially if you have to spend money. Like I yeah. hate I hate recommending something to someone where they spend money on it and don't like it. Like it's it's one thing if you just waste a little time or whatever, but yeah, it's a tough call.
3: That is a tough call. I mean, I don't, I don't
2: know. I liked Final Fantasy Dimensions on mobile. That's not. Uh, old school Final Fantasy. I mean, it isn't that style, but it just came out a couple years ago. Yeah.
3: Oh yeah. That's okay. a
2: long ass game. Like, if you're not committed, forget it. It's I mean, a... they're all long.
3: Well, yeah. <laughs> like... it's, I
2: I just have a really hard time recommending it to a newcomer. Any of the games.
3: Uh, I don't know. I. Tendon... Ten and Ten
2: Two uh, is coming out on PC tomorrow. The remaster is already on PS4.
1: Those were probably the last highly rated ones, too, weren't they?
2: Yeah, maybe that's an option. Yeah, but yeah, uh, Beardless says in the chat, Fifteen seems like it's going to be the most successful Final Fantasy game. Yeah, I think just I think the right answer sure. is just wait for Fifteen. Wait for to Fifteen. Come out.
1: Yeah, and then if you like it, maybe go back and try some of the older ones. Although gameplay wise, I don't think that's similar to any of the other ones, except for maybe Type Zero would be the closest to because it's. Isn't supposed to have a more y type of combat than, than the yeah. ATB system or, or yep. the turn-based tactics like we're used to.
3: Yep. I guess does does Savage have a, a Vita or a PS3 by any chance? Do we know?
2: I do not know the answer to that question, but I'm sure he'll answer. Sure. Sav
3: yeah Savage. If you have a Vita or a PS3, you could get because you said you don't like playing games on your phone like Tactics and Sex maybe on the PlayStation. Mm-hmm. One of those systems might be better for you if you want to try them. But like I said, maybe waiting for 15, and then if you're interested, going back.
1: It's only a matter of time before Tactics is on PC, too, I would think.
3: Yeah, you're right. It should be soon, right? You'd think. It really should, yeah. I'm going to look that up, actually. To Steam. See what they say.
1: I mean, there's the emulation route. But only do that if you own a legal copy, legally backed up copy.
3: Yes. Yes. (laughs)
1: <laughs> so, okay, that was a good conversation. Well, did you are you, are you finishing looking up something?
3: Uh, I'm looking to see if there's any word on tactics on Steam. It doesn't look no. like it so far. No, there
1: hasn't been any any even rumors for it. But it's only a matter of time before yeah. that comes out on Steam on Steamy too.
3: Yeah, I mean, because they announced it pretty quickly from when it's going to come out, right? Anyway. Yeah,
1: yeah. I mean, ten two uh, people knew that was coming out for for steam but it was just made official like a few days ago it's coming yeah. out what in a couple of weeks or something yeah so okay any other thoughts no
3: okay i uh, had something stay, but i don't remember stay tuned for game of thrones
1: yeah we're gonna do game with me and corey gonna talk some game of thrones uh in just a few minutes here um so stay tuned after the outro We'll we'll talk some Game of Thrones to this point, maybe uh some speculations on episode four. Major uh, spoilers. Major spoilers, yes. Do not listen if you are not caught up. I wish my dog would stop barking. It's driving me crazy. Uh yeah. Uncharted four for next week. Um thanks for uh that'll do it for episode two fifty one. I'm your host, Dan.
3: Uh Will.
2: Corey.
1: Thanks for listening and get out of my basement.
0: all right uh welcome back
1: everyone. uh me and Corey here we're gonna be talking Game of Thrones to this point uh I had wanted to initially um I say that, but I had wanted to s- sort of cover every week's episode after the episode you know when we record um but you know it gets to be late if something else is going on uh you know we we a lot of times we just wanna go upstairs and play video games, so it hasn't happened yet, but uh hopefully we can make this a weekly thing and we, we'll cover the week's episode. Uh, after, after the, the outro on our podcast, so we can keep up to date. Uh, now I'm not going to be rem- be able to remember exactly what happened during every episode, but, uh, first week's episode, we'll talk about first. Um, me and Corey were kind of in agreement that, uh, not too much happened during the first week's episode. Uh, there was, uh, they were kind of just like setting the table for what was some of the events that were going to happen this season. Um, the only thing that really happened that of note really was uh, Brienne of Tarth, one of my favorite, probably my favorite character, uh, saving Theon and Sansa from the Bolton soldiers. Yep, uh, which was a really cool moment.
2: It's nice to see her Sansa finally relieved of the Bolton hell.
1: Bol- yeah, the Bolton menace. <clears throat> it was nice to see um, you know Brienne be able to uh, keep her oath to Catelyn. And uh, find find her daughters, or daughter. Uh, obviously, she found Arya at one point, and uh, Arya slipped through her fingers during her her battle with the Hound.
2: Who's still <clears> alive, <throat> in my opinion?
1: A lot of people think that the, that the Hound is still alive, and there will be a showdown between the Hound and the Mountain.
2: It's it's got their brothers, right? Yep,
1: it's called the Clegane Bowl. That's the Clegane, Clegane yeah. Bowl theory.
2: Well, Littlefinger's little is going to find the hound
1: oh do you think it's little finger specifically
2: yeah he's there the yeah, yeah he's in the eerie yeah he's
1: is he lord of the eerie or is it robin aaron that's lord of the eerie
2: i think he is lord isn't wasn't that established
1: yeah it's murky or because he married uh, what's
2: he... the word for sitting in until the like the, the re- real one is the region the region yeah i that was the impression i got although i haven't watched you know those those episodes in a long time so yeah
1: okay okay uh so episode 2 uh a lot of stuff happened. Um god, I wish I could I I wanted to re- like rewatch all these two a couple times before. Um well, let's just talk about this week's episode since since it's fresh. Called uh, Oathbreaker. Oathbreaker, yeah. Yeah. Um I'll let you take it away, Cory. Well,
2: Jon Snow comes back to life. Yeah. Hey, woo. where yep. did that happen last week?
1: It was last week's episode.
2: The end of last week. The
1: end of episode two. Gotcha.
2: Okay, so this episode opens. A fantastic scene that I loved was they were sitting. Uh, they're at the castle black, mm-hmm. and Jon Snow wakes up, and he's all disheveled. And Ser Davos is there, who's my favorite character. Yep, the Davos the Onion Knight, yep. former pirate, uh, missing uh, hand or fingers? Fingers, or fingers. Yeah, four fingers on each hand or something like that. No, nope, it's
1: just the one hand. Uh, Stannis it was a punishment from stance baratheon for his right. his previous smuggling uh he chopped off to the knuckle bone his his four fingers on one of his hands
2: cool yeah uh but he's asking him he's like do you remember what happened and Jon snow's like oh you know they 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 murdered me i, I and later on i think he says something along which really stood out to me he said something along the lines of i stood up for what i believed in and i got murdered for it yeah Like I shouldn't be here," he says in that opening scene, and uh, that really hit home for me. Like, imagine the existential crisis you'd be having with yourself, yeah, if you got murdered for your beliefs, but came back, yeah. And it's like I shouldn't be here,
1: yeah. And that that was that was one of the one of the things they talked about at the end of the episode. I always I like watching the the you know kind of not behind the scenes, but what the writers were thinking, and they're like, how how do you relate? Like, a person that's just been murdered, that's come back to life, and them reflecting on what happened at the end of their life, like, there's no there's no precedent for that, like, it, it, you know. Yeah. But, but I think they did a really good job, like, you know, I don't know if, if that would be me doing the same type of thing, but, you know, <clears throat> uh, what you would assume a person would be like after they came back from, from being murdered, I guess.
2: And uh, Kit Harrington did an awesome job. Yep uh acting in that scene yeah yep, like, it was very fabulous. convincing and he looked very good in the buff <laughs>
1: yes he did I told my wife i'd be gay for john Snow.
2: <laughs> yeah very okay. uh very toned yep <laughs> but then melisandre comes in and she's like tell me tell me what you saw and he's like nothing i yeah. saw nothing yeah but she was still like enamored with it <clears throat> but i really liked that it's like she you know she believe so firmly in these these gods and uh john snow's like there, were, there was nothing there like yeah. <clears throat> nothing there were, i saw nothing when i died and yeah. i just came
1: back <clears throat> one of the interesting things i think that will come of that and and I, I read it somewhere i'm not sure where specifically but uh john snow is gonna be uh more fiercely fighting for his life knowing that there's nothing to look forward to after you
2: die that um, is interesting so and there was a, a lot of speculation about like how he would change after dying yeah. a little bit. Yep. Um and, and we didn't see too much of it, but uh I did hear speculation that the old Jon Snow, the the living version, not the undead version of Jon Snow, would not have killed Ollie. But I disagree with that. I think the old Jon Snow would have killed Ollie. Sure. Um being Ned Stark's <clears throat> Maybe son, maybe not, which we'll get to. Yeah. Uh, Ned would have done it. Mm-hmm. You know, Ned was all about that honor. That, and,
1: that and, was and, the and... punishment for betrayal, you know. That's that's how the Night's Watch did it, and, you know, he certainly, yep. certainly betrayed him.
2: Off with your head. So <laughs> John knows all about that.
1: Everyone was real happy about that, by the way, uh, reading forum <laughs> posts and stuff, and a lot of people were like, I, I feel bad rooting for a child's death, but uh, Ollie had it coming, you know. Well, what do thing. you think
2: was the purpose of that? What? Like, of Ollie as a character.
1: Well, Ollie, Ollie hated the Wildlings because of what they did to his family. Right. They, you know, slaughtered his family, his entire family. He he escaped barely uh, and, and headed back to Castle Black.
2: But couldn't it have ended there?
1: At, for Ollie as a character? Or, or yeah. Like, maybe. Maybe. I don't know.
2: I, I, I'm i just... I. I there probably is a purpose to his character. I'm just trying to figure out what it is. Like maybe, maybe they did want Ollie to be the, the result of Jon Snow's undeadness, like just to show, you know, I killed this kid because I've changed because I died. Yeah. Uh, beardless says Ollie is the symbol of Jon's failure.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause he, um, he really wanted, uh, he wanted to, uh, do right by Ollie, you know, and he kind of took Ollie under his wing, uh, as Lord commander. Um, and uh yeah he, he there's there was no winning that situation
3: really which speaking
2: sure. of there's that moment where he's teaching ollie uh the sword fighting and yeah. he r- reflects exactly what young ned says like keep your head up or i'll chop it off or something like that yeah and Jon snow says that exact same thing to ollie while he's training him which was a pretty cool
1: touch. ollie also ollie also uh killed egret if you remember
3: yeah, that's true
1: he's the one who who put an arrow in egret's in chest so that might be a little added uh, added salt in the wounds for Jon Snow.
2: Yep. So
1: there's that. Uh, what happened after that? Was it the Tower of Joy scene after that?
2: Um, well, just to finish up the Jon okay. Snow stuff, he turns in his cloak and yeah. says, "My service is finished. Yep, I'm done."
1: That I'm was the end the of the episode. That was the mic dropping moment for Jon Snow.
2: Yeah, and um, my immediate reaction to that was, "Well, the the knights." he's the oath breaker the knights or is he because the knights watch commitment is till death i will serve until death yeah and john snow died mm-hmm. so it was did he feel like at that point his oath was fulfilled uh, where's he gonna go from here is he gonna return to winterfell and you know seek revenge um who knows yeah i don't know be interesting
3: to see that all play out it really will good stuff it's really good stuff.
1: Okay, Tower of Joy scene—that was next, right? If I remember correctly,
2: eh, somewhere in it there, was fairly early on. That was another one of the the big scenes. Yeah.
1: So the Tower of Joy scene is a is a flashback again. Uh, Bran, with the the under the tutelage of the Three Eyed Raven, is taken back uh, and shown the infamous scene where uh, I guess it's six six nights uh take on two knights who are tasked with protecting uh Leanna Stark, uh Ned Stark's wow. sister, uh in this tower. Uh two of the best too uh in the realm against uh six. Uh and the story went that uh Ned Stark and Holland Reed were the, the only two to emerge victorious from it, and uh they were, but it was uh not an honorable win. Uh they took out the other guy, not too bad, but the Sir Sir Arthur Dane uh the w- sword of the morning was that what it was w- what his nickname was something like that
2: uh, sad maybe i don't know and yeah. i know in the books he just had one sword and people were kind of upset about that oh that he had the um, two swords yeah his his sword was, had, was two swords
1: supposedly like special too um but yeah uh it shows ned uh getting kind of whipped by uh sir arthur dane uh and Holland Reed uh sneaking up on him and stabbing him in the back when he's not not paying attention
2: not um, only in the back in the back of the
1: neck back of the neck yeah and then uh Ned kind of finishes the job right. um so you know that's kind of a revelation for Bran cuz had always heard that uh you know Ned Stark and and Howland Reed you know were were victorious in in combat against these people but uh that's that's actually not the
2: case right and that's a big turn for Ned Stark because he's always been considered such a honorable, like, honorable guy. Mm-hmm. And to see like that happen, like the way it yeah. did, is is kind of pulls out the rug from underneath it. That sure. had some big implications for me in terms of uh, Ned's legacy.
1: Yeah, and he, it makes you wonder like what what was so important to Ned that uh, that he would sacrifice his honor like that? You know, would yeah. would he have, would he have preferred just dying there? You know, you don't know.
2: So we're all, but like we're about a hundred percent sure that that is Leanna in the tower. Yeah. I think even in the books, it's confirmed that that is her in the yep. tower.
1: Yeah, it is her. He finds um, her on on, uh, on on the bed dying. Why um, is is left up to debate? Um, there's yeah. there's a few theories out there. Um, I think the primary one being the R plus L equals J theory.
2: <laughs> right. So there's so much that doesn't happen that you don't see that you just pick up on blue balls
1: it's a blue ball scene
2: right but i mean just in general like this the all of game of thrones is about what happened right before yeah game of thrones yeah. than like what's currently happening sure. uh, so rhaegar tarjarian was the brother of eris
1: no son? he was the, the eldest son
2: eldest son of, of the of mad of Aris, the mad king uh, and he had a crush on Leanna and Leanna was betrothed to Robert Baratheon. Mm-hmm. I think the way it goes is that she actually liked Rhaegar more.
1: That's the Speculated? impression that's given. Yeah.
2: Okay. Uh, and like Rhaegar is this really charming, handsome, likable guy. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think that's part of what goes into why Leanna was attracted to yeah. him.
1: Robert Baratheon's he's brusque and blustery and huge and you know,
2: and he eats mutton <laughs> yeah exactly fingers kind of guy you know yeah uh i like robert but that's sure. neither neither here nor there uh so they uh, speculation has it that they stopped and created Jon snow
1: mm-hmm. that leanna the story was leanna was raped by rhaegar targaryen but uh some people the the primary theory is that she wasn't that they they had a fling and and uh on her deathbed childhood you know, uh after birthing John, that's when Ned finds her, uh, and, and has her take Jon Snow as her adopted or his adopted, you know, his quote unquote bastard, bastard son, uh, and, and to raise him and, and protect him from because the Lannisters were killing anything Targaryen. So uh, you know, he would have he would have met his end there. Yeah. But there's also a theory that Jon Snow and Mira Reed are actually twins. And Mira Reed went with uh, Mira Reed went with Howland Reed as his daughter. Yeah. That's a, a theory that's been floated. Me and my wife talk about this like every night. That's interesting. New theories that we read. Yeah.
2: The reason why I don't I don't agree with the R plus R plus, R plus L equals J theory yeah. is because that's been speculated for at least a decade. Yeah. Like that theory has been very popular. Sure. And if I was George R R Martin. I would, even if that was my original intent, I would change it. Change it, yeah. Why wouldn't you? Yeah, you know.
1: Well, maybe, maybe, maybe it's it's too late. Maybe all the groundwork was laid. Uh, no. Even when he started the the first novel, maybe the groundwork was laid at that point to have Jon Snow be the the central focus, the protagonist of the entire thing.
2: Yeah, I mean, yeah. There's nothing wrong with that, but if there's one thing we know about Game of Thrones, it's that <laughs> it they always like throws pull you the a curveball. You know. Yeah. like yeah well yeah, that's what you get for thinking that <laughs> yep. idiot
1: yeah no you're absolutely right um a lot of people think we won't find out next week either it'll be like episode 5 or 6 when we actually find out uh what's at the top of the tower
2: I mean we only have uh the rest of this season and one more season and the series is done yeah so. they
1: say the, the rest of this season and then 13 more episodes after that so they'll probably split that into two seasons I would think I start wrapping it up yeah there's a lot lot to go uh so what else happened?
2: well, just I just wanted to, to yeah. just Ta- say this. uh that sword fight was incredible, yeah, it was good i was oh my god, I have a boner thinking about it.
1: <laughs> it was fantastic
2: it was so good so if you if you haven't seen it, just watch it like the chore- choreography of that sword fight was so cool, like I believed every second of it, yeah and arthur dane is one of my new favorite characters even though he had one scene that he got killed in yeah but uh really cool stuff Mm -hmm. and then like the climb up the tower of the joy oh and bran calls out to his dad that's important yeah and he turns around like looking for the voice even Mm -hmm. though you know bran shouldn't exist in that so like is that going to come into play later? Is Bran going to be able to alter the history, the the past?
1: There's actually, uh, I, I, again, I'm talking theories here because I find it fascinating. Uh, there's a theory that Bran is the one that makes the Mad King go mad because he tries to talk to him. The Mad King can't understand him, hears all these voices all the time, uh, knows that wh- wh- whoever's talking to him is telling him something important, and that drives him crazy. So oh there's my that. God.
2: Well, the three-eyed Raven does say, doesn't he? Say something along the lines of "You can't change what has happened."
1: Yeah, but at the same time, like Bran sees, he know he he at least thinks that his father heard him. So if his father heard him, then he probably can change things, you know.
2: But like you just said, he was the one that made the Mad King go mad. Possibly Maybe this is all pre predetermined.
1: Possibly, yeah.
2: Which would mean you can't actually change it. Like, yeah, right. yeah, you can interact with these people, but that that's already happened anyway. Yeah, yeah so, it's already like, happened just...
1: so you were meant to do it. Yeah.
2: Right. Yeah. Sure. Interesting. Yeah. I love it. Interesting. It's so good. Uh the Arya stuff? No, I'm not super into this season.
1: Yeah, I I I mean I know she's kind of at this point like quote unquote giving herself up, but I think there's uh and they talked about this after the episode. There, I think there's still a little bit of Arya there. I don't think she's all gone. Uh and, but I think that's because she hasn't thrown away a needle yet. You know, she she hid, mm. hid Needle in the rocks outside the temple. Um I don't think Arya's Arya's gone. I think she's gonna have a coup and uh take over
2: the order. That'd be cool. Yeah. Uh she's been my favorite character. Actually, uh Eric Eric mentioned how uh this you just can't get into Game of Thrones and sure. he's super bored by it. Which honestly I can relate to. Um What kept me going early on in Game of Thrones was it was just like medieval fantasy, yeah. which I was into. But I just found like a character or two to latch onto that mm-hmm. I would root for. And Arya was that character for me for a number of seasons. Sure. Um, even though a lot of it didn't make sense to me. Like I <laughs> was able to find the one character I would root for. And a lot of that came from listening to the audiobook for the first book. Yeah. And she meets, what's his name? Serial uh, Pharrell. He trains, he trains her in sword fighting. Serial Pharrell. Yeah. What a great character. Yeah and uh, he dies for which is in the in the show I believe.
1: yeah yep they the first season and the first book are identical okay they're, they're very very close to each other i guess it's during the third season third book that it kind of divulges a little bit um, yeah but i didn't even need that like the very first episode of game of thrones i was immediately like just hooked
2: right you know? yeah see i have a my brain the way my brain works is i don't pick up on stuff like i've i pay attention but i'm not yeah processing everything and i constantly ask my girlfriend questions when we're watching shows and she gets really mad with oh me. really but it's just my, for whatever reason i need to rewatch things a bunch before my brain can process everything That's and right. i can understand what's going on uh but to your point about needle uh what's his name that i john. just mentioned
1: john snow Sierra no. for
2: yeah he gives her needle um... no john
1: snow gives her needle
2: oh well anyway he trains yeah he her, trains how to her fight how to with it, it. yeah which is so for that like that's kind of a symbol of her past mm-hmm. and like you said she hasn't gotten rid of it so until she does yeah um she's still aria at least a little bit yeah, yeah.
1: sure Um uh, what else happened dan there's the scene at the small council table with the lannisters uh yep. jamie and cersei and the the mountain the undead mountain Uh, they try to barge in on a council meeting and the council just kind of gets up and walks away. So I think, uh, I think that was to show that their power's kind of waning. Uh, even their uncle Kevin, who is the hand of the King right now, uh, just kind of blew them off and you know, they, they all up and left.
2: Did you hear the fear fart? The fear fart? One of the characters farted. Oh really? Out of fear. Yeah.
1: (laughs) When that happened?
2: yeah it was probably when good. the when the it mountain was... came in and there was like threat thrown around it was probably
1: Mace, grand maester i think it was he's i can't a, remember he's kind of a creep anyway
2: there was a fear <laughs> fart <laughs>
1: it's good
0: stuff
2: <laughs> i love the the mountain though i i, I dislike him but i yeah. love that character For like sure. seeing him in his armor just like purple yeah oh it's good stuff yeah um uh, oh the scene go ahead go ahead with the sparrow yeah uh the, the head sparrow in tomlin Tomlin. i'm not i don't like Tomlin. no i think a lot of it has to do with his acting i just don't think he's as capable as most of the other actors in the show and as sometimes it shows although in this that scene he did pretty well yeah uh, although you could just tell the the head sparrow was or high sparrow is just totally manipulating oh him. yeah
1: poisoning his mind definitely
2: yeah <laughs> sure i'm just an old man with bad knees can i you mind if i sit down yeah right
1: <laughs> it's all it's all planned things, things with him yeah i really yeah. do i really dislike the sparrows i hope someone cleans them out you yep. i just don't like that that mindset at all uh what else is there oh the part uh with ramsey bolton uh and john umber Oh,
2: that's right, the umbers. Little, yeah, they bring the John, present. Little
1: John Umber brings brings a present to uh, Ramsay Bolton, refuses to bend the knee or swear fealty or anything like that, which I think is interesting. Uh, <laughs> uh, it was a great scene, um, but ends up bringing him uh, Osha or Asha, and uh, Rickon, Rick, little Rickon Stark, and the head of the the wolf, which is kind of crappy. Book.
2: Book readers seem to believe that there is no way John Umber would yeah. ally with the Boltons. Yep, they're, uh, they're so loyal to the Starks.
1: Yeah. It might be like a plot um, for that the was, Umbers.
2: I heard that speculation that maybe uh, that's not really Rickon. Yeah. That's not who they think it is because one of the pieces of evidence for that was that the dire wolf head was way too small than it
1: then Than Shaggy Dog's actually, uh, actual head. Exactly. Uh, I had also heard that Big John Umber, w- who was killed at the Red Wedding, uh, mm-hmm. was the w- truly loyal one, and Little John Umber, who is now head of the Umber House, uh, not as loyal. So he could be just trying to carve out a carve out a, a place for himself uh, with the Boltons, uh, you know, getting favor with them while also leaving himself uh, a little a little freedom of action with not having to bend the knee and stuff. Fair enough. Um, so that that could be it, too. Would be, I can't wait. Uh, again, I can't wait to see how this plays out. Like, I really hate having to wait a whole week in between episodes. I love being able to binge, watch as many episodes as I had time for. Um, you cram it all, all together. Just waiting sucks.
2: Yeah, but the reward is so, so worth it. It is, I agree. These last two episodes have been so good. Yes, they have. Well, really so what am I missing? I think we hit everything, at least the big stuff. There might have been some little stuff here and there. There was that scene with Sam and uh what's her name? Oh,
1: Sam and um Gilly.
2: Gilly, yeah. Uh he's bringing her to his f- Horn Hill. Horn Hill his, family his family's home. Family's uh I guess he's on a quest to determine how to stop the White Walkers.
1: He's going to be good, going to the old town to the Citadel to become a maester.
2: Become a maester, <laughs> yeah. So that's there's that. Um, um I don't know.
1: Tyrion. Uh there's the scene where um I don't know that Tyrion did much, but the the scene with Varus where he's kind of uh he's talking to the member of the Sons of the Harpy, the the woman there. Yeah. Um that was that was really well done, I thought. Showed Varus's power as a as a negotiator, you know.
2: Um Yeah, that was good. Yeah,
1: like you know, he's like, you know, I I'm not gonna hurt you. I'm not gonna hurt your son. Um you know here here's some money tell me what you know and you can you can get out of here you know it's well done
2: i just want to see little finger on the throne at the end of all this do you little finger i do yeah i don't like him but
1: right for all of his plans to have worked out
2: oh my god
1: because he's is, he is kind of an underdog like he's he's kind of a weakling he gets whipped by brandon stark when they were younger uh in a duel over catlin um and He's then, just
2: such a gamer.
1: Yeah, scheming. <laughs> playing playing people off of each other against each other.
2: Good stuff. Yeah. Although his weakness is Sansa, so I feel like that's gonna play into it at some point. Sure. That he has that weakness. Yeah. That vulnerability. Yeah, and they actually would, they wouldn't set that up otherwise.
1: No, definitely not. Uh we'll be seeing a little of uh Pitar Baelish next next week's episode. They showed on the on the preview. Awesome. Uh in the veil. With, 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 with Robin Iron and, and
2: stuff, yeah. Let me throw another, another theory at you. All right. That Tyrion is a Targaryen. I know Targaryen. this one. Yep.
1: Tyrion and um, and well, Jon Snow possibly. Yeah. No, uh, that's that's an interesting thought. Uh, and uh, they set this up a little bit because of of Tyrion's love of dragons. Um, his ability. What you know, when he goes and frees the dragons from their thing, like they're pretty. Uh, willing to let him near them and to unshackle them. You know, I know yeah. he talked about them being like smart and knowing who their friends and foes were. Um, but I still thought it was interesting that they, you know, didn't menace him really at all.
2: And also uh, the description of Tyrion in the book is that he has silver, almost white hair.
1: Yeah. Which is not He's... Lannister-like because they have golden hair.
2: And Tywin says, you're, you're no not... son of mine. Yeah. Before he, Kills him, and 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 in the show, I think he says at some point something along the lines of, "Since I can't prove you're not mine."
1: Oh yeah, I guess he did say that, and I didn't remember yeah. that. Um, yeah, well, I, because because the ahead. the Mad King has a crush on on Tywin's wife Joanna, um, so there there's that could happen. And at the same time, like uh, Tywin's a proud guy, uh, and even if he, maybe he did find out that Tyrion wasn't necessarily his, would he? you know, admit that, you know, uh-huh. he admit that he could have been cheated on. Probably not. Uh, he's a very, very proud man. So he might, and have. he just... also
2: loved Joanna. Yep. Quite a bit. There's the, the saying that he actually smiled at his wedding and he never smiles. Yeah. Um, so he was definitely infatuated with Joanna. And even if she gave birth to this kid, that maybe wasn't his, he felt a yeah. uh, moral obligation to, to raise it. Mm-hmm. But I've also heard the counter theory that Tyrion is Actually, the only Lannister. Really? Yeah. Because uh, Tywin shares the vices with Tyrion. Tywin sleeps with Shay.
1: Oh, yeah. The yeah whore, sure. Even
2: though he criticizes Tyrion for it. Mm-hmm. He's like, You're whoring ways. You know, I, I'm so against that. But he does that. There's a couple other pieces of evidence that I can't think of off the top of my head. Um, but imagine the irony of that. like yeah. Tyrion is actually the only Lannister, and the other ones are Targaryens,
1: Jamie and Cersei,
2: and Hmm. Yeah. That's interesting. I thought that was really interesting. Yeah. That's, That's the thing. Stuff. It goes so many ways. You know, I, I don't think it's, I don't think it needs to be as predetermined as as it seems. Sure. I don't know.
1: Yeah, but like you said, they've got a lot of ground to cover in the next, what, yeah. 20 episodes or whatever?
2: Yeah. It, well, the people were talking about the... Uh what's the word i'm looking for the the uh, la, 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 the the legend foretells like the the song of ice and fire is the song of of john snow is ice and uh fire is daenerys daenerys um and that just plays into it and like the three the three dragons one's tyrion's one's daenerys one's john snow john snow i mean that, there's so many different theories kicked around and they all are seem plausible sure but i don't know it's just fun to speculate until we actually see what happens
1: yeah i agree i can't wait till the new book comes out i'm actually getting caught up on the on the books i'm through the first audiobook i started on the second one i have the physical books that i'll i'll read to. i'll probably read and listen to the audiobooks in tandem
2: just make sure you get the roy detrees version oh i That'll did a, oh,
3: yeah oh i did he's, he's great he is
2: great roy detrees
3: yeah so
1: good stuff um hopefully we'll after next week's episode do uh just an episode four recap yeah and thoughts but yeah, yeah i'm ooh. loving uh loving this season so far
2: oh so good mm-hmm. i'm telling you man that arthur dane <sighs> loved it yeah
1: all right anything else cory nope not off the top of my head all right uh yeah we'll see you next week hopefully
0: again we can do a the episode four recap uh thanks for listening